Blitz is defined as a sudden, savage attack. It is indeed all this. The effect is sure. The premise is simple. It's a basic, primal confrontation, man to man. No excuses are offered. None accepted. Welcome to the latest edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Looks like a radio station. Now, here are your hosts, lifetime Longhorn Rod Babers. Pure athlete, yeah. I transcend race, hombre. Matt Butler. I don't talk man. I back it up. And we are talk full of that, man. I'm right. And Jeff Howe. It's still real to me, damn it. And that's the bottom line. Just stone cold set up. If you're gonna blitz, come strong, but don't come at all. Coming strong with another edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns 24-7. I am Jeff Howe. Let me bring in the rest of the team for this week's episode, a bi-week episode of Longhorn Blitz with Texas coming off of a 36-30 win over Oklahoma State. We will break it all down. And, yes, we will get to the injury news the Longhorns are dealing with. Let me bring in the rest of the team, though. He is the master of the soundboard, the drop machine extraordinaire, Matt Butler. How was your weekend, sir? Oh, pretty good. How about yourself? I'm not too shabby. Not you have too a good shabby. birthday? Happy birthday? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Happy belated birthday. It's one of those deals where like, people are like, oh, you had to work on your birthday. It's like, yeah, I'm not, you know... 19 anymore my birthday is not that big a deal I, there are worse ways to spend my birthday than going to cover a football game also well, you don't hate your job most no. people hate their job there you so go. working that's on your difference. birthday yeah that's the difference because yeah. i bet back in the day your yeah. your birthday revolved around maybe a cowboys game or a longhorns yeah. game as a youngster growing up probably every single time yeah that's what i you know I, I guess that's just why my soul is the way it is my birthday is like right when football season's getting uh getting good mm. so, yeah you ain't craig way yeah, because Craig's is, what, uh, the day before mine, two days before mine? Somewhere around there. Something like that. Anyway, uh, a man who, you know, he can talk birthdays and astrology and all kinds of stuff because he is a renaissance man uh, on the Austin Radio Network and on the Longhorn Blitz podcast. Lifetime Longhorn 2002 UT All-American 2002 semifinalist for the Jim Thorpe Award fourth-round draft choice of the New York Giants in 2003. Spent his NFL career with the Giants, Lions, Bears, Bucks, Broncos, and a year with the Hamilton Tiger Cats in the CFL. When he was done with football, got himself back to Austin, Texas in the 40 acres where he earned his degree, whatever that T-ring comes in. I promise I will assure <laughs> of the listening audience that he wears it proudly. <laughs> Nevertheless, he is a card-carrying member of DBU, and when you get that All-American honor recognized by the NCAA, you get that black card. Number 21 in your program, number one in your hearts, Mr. Rod Babers. Your birthday is close to the University of Texas' birthday, then. Because Craig Way's birthday, I believe, is like the day after UT's birthday. Oh, yeah? I want to say it's like the same. Like It's like within like two or three oh, days of it. Yeah, it's like UT's birthday, and I want to say Craig Way's birthday is like the day after, because I remember or something like that. And then yours is pretty pretty close to Craig Way's. Sounds yeah? like a Craig Way. Craig Way's is like a week. I think Craig Way's is like a week something ago, maybe. Yeah, it's like the fifteenth, I believe. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, I don't know why. Weirdly, I know that. I don't know my friend's birthday. You are obviously a friend of mine. I am weird about that as a guy. Like I don't know my 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 guy friend's birthday. My girlfriend gets mad at me. She's like. Did you know? Oh, it's September 15th. I That's think they UT's have the birthday. same birthday. I think Craig and they UT might. Do. Craig Way and UT may have the same birthday. It might be <laughs> That's something amazing. Like that. I don't know. If they <laughs> Blew have my mind sure, as Craig really Way walks close. in the door. It's really, really close. Where it's like within two days. But anyway, like yeah, guys don't know their other guy friends' birthdays as well no. as they should. No, nope. you know Facebook I mean? changed. Like, you can that. have a best friend in the world as a guy and be like and not be sure about his birthday. You're like, yep. I think it's August. 20-something. You're right, yeah. though, Matt. That is definitely one thing Facebook is good for. But then yes. you've got you got, ja- you got jackass friends like I've got that they'll, like, intentionally change their birthday just to, like, kind of 
pull a rib on people, be like, <laughs> I have my birthday July 2nd. Like, I know damn well your birthday is July 2nd. <laughs> well, guys don't so, care about birthdays. That's a, that is mostly women. My brother cares about his birthday weirdly as a man, but most I, men care nothing about I their know. birthdays at all. Women yeah. celebrate like half birthdays. I've been with women who celebrate half birthdays. I've heard of like, those. Like celebrate it. Like literally, we got a party. Not, like, yeah, like we're going to do something. I'm like, for what? Like our my half birthday. I mean, we did that for my daughter. Like, we made a big deal about when yeah, she was well, halfway to turning a year old. Well, yeah, she's, yes, that's like yeah. your daughter. She's that's just six born months into old. The world. That's when yeah. you're taking yeah. months by that's account. Different. She was talking about, I'm talking about like 25 yeah. year old woman who's like, no, I'm going out for my half birthday. I'm 25 I'm like, and a half today. You sociopath, you egomaniac. <laughs> Yeah, well, man. we uh, we won't talk about birthdays and uh, the mental function of people and how they respond to them. <laughs> uh, guys, I want to work backwards. We'll get into the Oklahoma State game, and we've got this yeah. week's show and next week's show to talk about uh, West you know, Virginia. Texas a quarter of the way through the season, and we'll get into West Virginia mm-hmm. next week. And We've got two shows to basically do this, but I, I want to focus on the injuries at the top because that is top of mind. I agree. And going forward for this team, Rod, I think that's the one thing that – Everybody wants to know, okay, how do you make do if you're Texas with all these injuries? So, on the injury front, Caden Stearns got a tib-fib ligament issue out for four weeks. Expected to be out for four weeks. He will miss OU. Josh Thompson, foot surgery, done for the year. Eight to ten weeks. He's going to miss OU. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Josh That's Thompson. That's all that matters, though. <laughs> well, I'm just sorry. I'm just going, yeah, uh, un- undetermined specific period of time is what Texas said. We've heard eight to ten weeks, which pretty He's much dead. Josh Thompson's done for He's the dead. year. Jalen Green dislocated shoulder out at least a month. He's going to miss OU. Uh, and, Rod, I want to get your take on the Jalen Green situation because you've been there, done that, unfortunately. Uh, Marcus Tillman, MCL sprain, done for the rest of the year. So, the Tillman thing, that's unfortunate because he that was – That was like the first play of the game? Yeah, the yeah, opening it was kickoff. Like an, it was a bad omen. That was. That was like foreshadowing. Yeah, that So, sucks. let's take uh, totality of the secondary injuries. Got Green done for a month. Stearns done for – Roughly four weeks. Maybe he's Month. back before yeah. then. Who knows? Josh Thompson pretty much done for the year. We got BJ Foster working his way back from a hamstring injury. And DeMarvion Overson with a back issue. Yeah. So Rod, I think this week in this bye week for Tom Herman, probably putting your DBs in bubble wrap. I don't know if you are pretty or not, much. but Yeah, you don't need to yeah, for the guys that can play, the guys like I mean, Chris Brown and Chris Brown, Brandon Jones. Chris Brown, Brandon Jones. You don't need to see much from them at all. Yeah, they just need to rest. And you hope, hope you're, you're basically praying that BJ Foss and Demarvion Overshone that their recovery is going well. Um, that it's going well enough for either them to be back. And I know the world in the street is that you know they're supposed to be back. Everybody thinks they're going to be back for West Virginia. That'd be great because then your biggest issues would would be back at the cornerback position with no Jalen Green and him being injured and then trying to figure out basically out of your second and third best corners who you need to put out there versus one of the most explosive offenses in the country in OU and trying to get those guys ready for OU. Think about this at the corner position. Going into the Oklahoma State game, the staff, we got to read on how they felt about that position based on the fact that they moved Josh Thompson from safety to corner yeah. to compete with those other three guys opposite of Jalen Green. Like Jalen Green hasn't been the guy they've worried about. Yes, he didn't have no, a great game against LSU. Fine. And I think we saw in the first half of the Oklahoma State game, there's something there with Jalen Green. Pro Not football a f- focus in their Big 12 team of the week had him as their flex 
Yeah. And that he only played, I think, like a few. You know, I mean, he only played with a half of football, basically, uh, fourteen cover snaps, and he played so well. They had him as their flex on their Big Twelve team of the week defensively. Yeah. So I'm with you. Yeah, Jalen Green was gonna show, and even Tyler Lando said that he yeah. said, "I'm not worried about Jalen Green. Jalen Green's gonna. We just worried about him that when he's gonna break out. We don't know when it's gonna happen, but he right. will break out. It, it, the other other guy at corner, they don't know who the hell right. he's gonna be. And they have no idea who that guy is. And then his replacement just got hurt because he had to bring Thompson from a different position at one point. We even started to hear last year that Jalen Green might have been last year the best pure man cover Cover guy guy you had. And I think we're starting to see some of that. We were seeing some of that with Jalen Green. But now your pool of corners, Mm. your three veterans, are three guys that if you're Jason Washington and Todd Orlando, clearly you had trust issues or concerns with those three guys because you moved Josh Thompson. You felt good about Jalen Green, both those guys out now. I would think Kenyatta Watson was working with the safeties leading up to the Oklahoma State mm-hmm. game. I would think Kenyatta Watson moves yeah. back to corner at this point. Out of necessity. And you got to start figuring out, okay, what can he do? Not, uh, can he? No, he's going to need to give you something. The, the focus should be now, what can he do? What can he handle? Yeah. Rod, I don't know the best way to attack this corner position. Me personally, just looking at it and trying to fit the pieces together. I would probably put Deshaun Jameson into the boundary and have Kobe Boyce play the field and then just kind of go off field and see where things are at throughout the game. Uh, yeah, I mean, Anthony Cook's not hurt, but at this point it seems like he's bringing it up the rear in the competition. Now you see the coaches aren't happy with what they've seen with Anthony Cook because we haven't heard much about him. As you pointed out, they moved Josh Thompson over there. Um, and, and valued his versatility uh, in that game versus Oklahoma State, even though Anthony Cook, I think I saw him play, but I got to go back and kind of track how many he plays, but not many at all. Yeah. So, And I think he just played because they needed bodies out there. So I, I think at this point I agree with you. Um, yeah, because yeah, I think Deshaun Jameson in coverage, he's a little bit more aggressive. Uh, I think in, in, in coverage like they're on the boundary, you want somebody who's going to be aggressive, you're going to get a lot of the high percentage routes. So at least maybe he'll give himself a shot. Kobe Boyce is he's tentative when he plays, so maybe the field longer throws will give him a chance to make plays on the ball too. I mean, it's still it's the basically the worst case scenario uh, yeah. for that for the cornerback position right now. Uh, you don't trust any of those guys. Now we're wondering if Todd Lendo's going schematically, you know, change the defense exactly. a little bit schematically. You have to adjust for that. There's no way you can go into no. You can't. It has. Yeah, you can't, can't be the same the, defense. You don't have a yeah. Kevin Stearns over the top to be able to be. And, that's, that and we haven't gotten to him. with the cornerback. Oh, yeah. You're right. Yeah. No. It <laughs> all holds. Yeah. The yeah, it all works as a one unit. And you're right. Cornerback right now. Those guys are going to need help. And they gave him a lot of help in Oklahoma State. They gave him a lot of help. Even with Jalen Green, they gave him a lot of help over the top. But that's because you did have most of your safeties available or at least more of them than you do now. And I, when you look at just the personnel now that it, you're lucky that now you don't want the injuries to happen, but having the buy to where Orlando gets two full weeks to at least put different pieces into positions and see what you have some time to sample and try stuff you gotta out. Evaluate. That, and you can literally, yeah, it's sort of like a mini camp. It is. Camps, you got to figure weeks, out who can cover and who can't, who's you, good in zone, who's not. There who you can go. Tackle, and how, who, who works well together and yeah. whose deficiencies can be masked by other guys. So at least you're luckily right here at this point at the bye when you basically have to start with a new secondary. Because if you don't get Foster over Sean Beck, like you're literally talking about, you had what, nine or ten guys you like coming in and now you you're down to a secondary. Yeah, it's scary. <laughs> There's no other way to really describe it. I mean, it's scary. Those guys are going to grow, though. Like, like reps, you, you, you guys get better with more reps. I think the assumption is with Deshaun Jameson, 
that he's going to get better with more reps. I don't know if that same assumption is with Kobe Boyce because he's so inconsistent and yeah. he is a veteran. We've but Deshaun James is a guy that yeah that changed positions last year. I think it's more about a comfort, like a comfortability with him. Like, hey man, is he comfortable there yet? To the point where he's he he knows the defense, he knows his alignment assignment, and now he can just go out there and play football, and he's not even thinking about it. I think now he's still and honestly, based in Oklahoma State game, he was really aggressive. It was less thinking; it was more reacting for him. And I think that's why they like him. You know, what I mean, yeah. Kobe Boyce is a thinker. He thinks right. It, the play's happening in two seconds. Once you start thinking, you're already done. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I think they want that instinctive corner to Sean Jameson out there. They figure, yeah, he'll get beat, but at least he'll actually have a chance to make more plays on the football. And if you look at just what the, we've seen results-wise this week and in recent weeks, because you've continued to have injuries or even hampered injuries to these same players in previous weeks. And so when you've seen reps, it actually looks as if these guys have performed a little bit better because it was a lot more of a worry a few weeks ago we're back in camp. And yep. even though it isn't good, when they're being forced into action due to injury, it wasn't that huge of a drastic drop-off during the game, which is actually mm-hmm. surprising. You may, like I said, nobody knew Chris Adamora would end up having a good game. They threw him out there in the fire and got a great PBU down there in the end zone. And then, of course, came up with the clutch onside kick. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, so I uh, Chris Kenyatta Brown Watson, sounds like your most consistent and yeah, like, good playmaker. Like, you're more like by Kenyatta Watson, you now you got to see what he can do. Now you got to see if he can give you um, some good reps and hell, if he go out there and actually starts making plays. You know, maybe you maybe you have to throw a puppy out there before he's ready to be a dog and just say, hey, man, go out there and just give it everything you got. Just fight. I need you to fight yeah. at that cornerback spot. Yeah. So, yeah, I, get, it, it, like I, I agree with Matt. It's minicamp all over again. These you got like eight, eight, eight days basically to try to <laughs> evaluate these guys all over again and see where they are or reevaluate. Let me ask you this, Rod. I don't want to, you know, the guy's a sophomore. He's four games into his sophomore year, so I don't want to say it's now or never. But is it now or never for Anthony Cook, like with this opportunity he's got, considering how bad of a camp he had by yeah. all accounts, and it hasn't started well like anybody thought it would start for him this season? No. Is it kind of now or never for him? Like with Jalen Green out, this is his opportunity. to If he's going to get back in this mix and be the guy that everybody kind of assumed he could be, he's got to do it now, right? Well, you have to because if you're the coaches and they're going to have their brunch, right, or something, off their uh, bi-week brunch or something coming up, I guarantee you one of the topics to discuss will be we got to recruit corners. We need corners. It's crazy to think that because they've been recruiting secondary really well, but a lot of the guys have been versatile DBs who have kind of moved into the safety position. They need they need guys. They need cover corners. And yeah. I and I don't know the recruiting aspect of it in the class well, and what they got already, but I guarantee – and that's why he needs to pick it up because they're going to recruit over him pretty soon. You mentioned mm-hmm. that. Like, it's I, just going to happen. It's I natural. Did, I did think it was interesting that they didn't find anything they liked, but in that 2020, or the 2019 cycle, they kicked the tires and looked at, okay, is there anything corner-wise in the grad transfer market or the JUCO market that's appealing? Yeah. Because they wanted a veteran presence at yeah. corner. They and they didn't know what it. they had with those other guys. Right. And like you said, none of those guys have taken ownership of that spot yet. It's been up for grabs. Like even Jalen Green, like they thought they knew what they had with Jalen Green, but they didn't really know. Yeah. And until ma- they got him on the field. Yeah. No, that I, I agree with you. I don't so I think if you're Anthony Cook right now, even for for his own psyche, I mean it's as a cornerback, I can't think of many D guys at DBU. There are exceptions to the rule. I think Chris Brown actually is an exception to the rule. You know what I mean? Where a guy becomes a late bloomer yeah. at DBU. Late bloomers at DBU are rare. Usually yeah. at DBU, you see, you see pretty early on, oh, that guy can play. Like, give me, other than Chris Brown, 
Hell, even Ahmad Brooks started as a freaking sophomore. Give me the guy. Give me a late bloomer in DBU. Not many. Late, late bloomers don't happen at DBU, yeah. baby, because we're bringing them in so many good ones. That Technically, we, Aaron Ross, because he just couldn't get in the well, door. Aaron Ross, yeah, he wasn't playing. Yeah, once he played, he was, he was the only thing uh, But of. it's kind of been my thing. Like, I don't remember a lot of late bloomers at DBU, guys that all of a sudden their senior year, like they step up and have this great, like, damn. Uh, I mean, well, Ryan Palmer maybe qualified. I thought about that, but I didn't. Ryan, mean, I guess, but if you want, I mean, yeah. Or, Bra- I, or Brandon Foster. Yeah, they got could, but jobs people would consider that. I'm going to say that they would consider those down years of DBU. I'm just throwing it out. I'm just saying, like, like those. Agreed. Main, that's why those I didn't guys, mention that. Like, like, no, but that's where we're at, guys. though. That's and they got their DBU greatness, all American, all conference, NFAO type players. Those guys, and that's what usually Texas is putting on the field. That's the goal. Those guys are on late bloomers. Yeah, because Aaron guys, Ross and Michael as Griffin freshmen and were sophomores. They're either starting or already getting started. Because yeah, even like playing. Adrian Phillips on, in a loaded secondary was playing as a true freshman. Yeah, like every like those guys play. Like the it's Quandre just Diggs if you can't see freshman. if you can't even earn right earn your right on the field as a freshman or a sophomore, usually, you know, you I'm not saying they give up on you, but they they recruit past you. Like it's already somebody in the pipe. There's a there's behind me was Michael Huff and Cedric Griffin and Aaron Ross. If yeah. Rod B wasn't producing, Rod B was done. Yep. Like that's just the way it's supposed to be. So I don't know. That I'm with you. I think that's going to the, your point about Anthony Cook, dude. It's now or never because at that point, I think coaches wisely will start recruiting to get them a true cover corner. Yeah, because if you can't make the jump Dylan now, when are you, you going to make it when you know Keaton Crawford and Ethan Pouncey and all these guys get here next year? Yeah, and you Kenyatta know I mean? Watson's a year older, and Jalen Green comes back from injury. Yeah, like I don't know. That's usually not how it works in the rate of development. But like I said, Chris Brown. I like the, he's he's playing at all conference level right now. Yeah. He's playing unbelievable football. You brought Ryan Palmer and their guys. So there are guys there. I mean, you know what I mean. But you're, it's rare. You're saving grace in the secondary right now, though, is how good Chris Brown has been. And we don't talk enough about the consistency of Brandon, Brandon Jones. Jones, man. Yep. Yes, I know he the issue with the punt in the Oklahoma State game. That's special that was, teams, Brandon Jones, not DB Brandon Jones. They're <laughs> totally different. different. So is that like <laughs> your guess. is that your take that like Hulk Hogan is not a racist, but Terry Bollea is a racist? <laughs> exactly. Okay. That's the truth. <laughs> different yeah. duties. De- Brandon Jones on special teams. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I didn't recognize. Hell, Nathan Vasher is some, is a different guy on special teams. I've seen him make Hulk Hogan fights to the right before. of every man, Rod. Every man. <laughs> Terry Bollea, not so much. Apparently. No, but I think for Brandon Jones, he has been considering the position they put him in by switching him to nickel. And I still think nickel's the toughest position to play, arguably on defense in the Big Twelve. And he did it almost seamlessly, and it seems like he actually is still playing at a really high level, even though they put him in a position that I think is tougher to play than the safety position. I, I think Brandon Jones, behind Joseph Asai, it might be your MVP on defense. I, I think asked Mikel him. Thompson maybe will fit our profile. That it got late. There bloomer. you go, Matt. Oh, okay. late bloomer. That's a good his point. Senior, his fifth year, he but he was him. playing early. Point is, and Coach Akina said, told me as a sophomore, this guy's got Jim Thorpe Award type ability. Which is so crazy. going back to my point, he played early. And then Anthony Cook down. can't see the field right now. Yeah. Like, he can't see the field yeah. where, and they got an open competition at corner. That's different. Mikael Thompson was playing early, dog. He was playing there early A little on. bit. I mean, but we're talking about a young guy like Cook but and sophomore. I'm talking about, like, he can't even – listen, I, so, I struggled as a young sophomore, but I was on the field. Cool, was I'm like, just saying this guy – We don't have to stay on Jalen Green, he will, he will end up – the light will go off for him. He's that kind of player. That means what they're seeing in practice, they don't even think he, – the light's going to come on for him. 
Like yeah. they're not even putting him on the field. He's not even well, in the that's competition. Where they moved for Josh two years. Thompson there because they wanted him fourth in the cornerback competition on the opposite side of Jalen Green. Think no, about that. Josh Agreed, Thompson actually played against That's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. dude, he's not even. He, he's not. Don't disrespect Mikael Thompson no, by I'm putting him in the game. Just trying to bring up a category. name. Just trying to bring up a name. But yeah. there was also two years that he went to the bench, and then his last year, senior year, when Charlie came, he became a starter. But he kept but going back I'm just to the bench to think of and one, coming back on. He yeah. going back and forth. That no, means your coaches right. were struggling. Right? Oh, should we play him? He's really, really talented. But he sucks. He's really, really talented. But he sucks. You know what I mean? He's the Anthony only Cook guy like, I can think of. He's the only guy Period. I can think of. Comparable. Nobody's even. Nobody's fighting for him and saying he's really, really talented. We got to put him out there. No coach is right now. Remember you telling you telling stories about some of your heated debates with Coach Akina about Mikael Thompson. Oh man, no, well, I just I didn't agree. He was a <laughs> Thor. He had Thorpe Award with Nello. But I mean, the Giants did. The Giants drafted him ahead of Quandre Diggs. Mm-hmm. I remember. You know I, mean? I, I remember <laughs> calling. I remember calling Mikael <laughs> on draft day and. Him kind of being at a loss for words, he's like, I didn't think they were going to take me. Because he, he looked, fi- he figured that the Giants were really the only team that was that interested, and he was like, Hey, they'll just hang out, and after the draft, they'll probably call and get this free agent deal done. But no, they fifth round, they ahead of ahead of Quandre Diggs, who's one of the best DBs in in the NFL right now. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, they because they, I think they talked to Coach Aquino, and they saw the physical traits, and were like, Dude, if this if the light goes off of this guy. It could be real. It could be, yeah. This guy has Pro Bowl potential. Everything written all over him. It's like, well, still got to play if it, ball. If it were, if it were <laughs> for Aaron, if it were for Aaron Ross between you and Mikel Thompson, Giants fans will freak out the next time they draft the Texas. Say the same thing. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Giants fans say the same thing about Rodney B. That guy sucked. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, that's just yeah, yeah. Mikel Thompson. I, I think he, yeah, he played early on. Like I don't think he was. He plays a sophomore. Playing thirteen games. Then he, I think he's a starter. Yeah. Start playing twelve games as a freshman. I mean, he was playing the whole time. So, like, he didn't have started every game, but he was playing. Anthony Cook ain't even playing. Right. And they put, they put, they put Chris Adamora out there, dude. They put Anthony Cook out there. Come on, dude. They're like, uh, 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 get out of the way. Uh, uh, Chris Adamora, come on, man, let's go. Like, DBs are dropping like flies, guys. Yeah. You lost four of them in the game, and they couldn't put Anthony Cook on the field. They're they, they're fearful of putting that guy on the field. Yeah, yep. you know, get I want to get back to Brandon Jones though. Like I asked him about making the move to nickel, and he gave me kind of an interesting answer. Um, he said, "Really doesn't change a whole lot for him because in his position in that safety room, Craig Niver tries to make sure those safeties they know field, they know boundary, they know joker, they know nickel, just in case. Yeah, he's got to shift guys around. He got to move things. And he said the biggest difference is he said." He said, obviously, his, his vision has changed because he's used to seeing things from the back end, so it's really more of a compressed area. He's like, so it's kind of weird not knowing. You know, there's stuff going on behind you, and you don't know what's going then, on. Yeah. He said, but then it just comes down to just covering guys. Pretty much, yeah. It's more instinctual, that nickel. I mean, for him, when he's blitzing, obviously, that's all about timing and him uh, being a kind of decipher, like, you know, BGO and ball snap, when the ball is snapped and – if he's in zone coverage, obviously things are a little bit easier, but you're looking at route concepts with the number one, number two receiver are doing and how, you know, how the offense is kind of uh, game playing against you, what what concepts they're using to attack you. And then when you're a man, you just got to cover man. But I will say in man, he's held up pretty good. He did have the stoner uh, play with stoner guy behind him, but because he didn't give up on the play, he was able to get to PBU. Yeah, I think pretty... that was a, that was a really good play to design by Oklahoma State too. If you watch it, that, I'm sure it was. Yeah. yeah, I mean, no, you're not gonna listen at nickel man. You're gonna have times where you're gonna bit get you know you're gonna get beaten on the play. Um, hopefully, you get beaten to your help. You know, what I mean, you get beaten where you can recover. He's he's. I think he's played really really well at nickel. I think he's making himself some money. Yeah, I think so... NFL scouts are looking at him going. Oh, he could cover too. Yeah. Okay. So let's like try to that. let's try to piece this secondary together. 
So we know what corner is. You throw Kenyatta Watson in there. You know what, Rod? I don't think it's going to happen, but I wouldn't be a, I wouldn't be totally shocked if they didn't get Chris Adamora a look at corner. Interesting. Just because of what I've heard of him hmm. in camp when the pads came on, that whether it was Devin Duvernay or Jake Smith, hmm. he did really well when they told him, hey, wherever that guy goes, cat, you got him. Cat coverage, baby. Yeah. Get that cat. Yeah. Yeah? No, no, no. I – I mean, I haven't looked at his well, how big is he? Like, what's his because his body style is kind of six comp- foot two hundred. Yeah, it looks compact enough to be able to do it. Basically, yeah. No, I I could I could see that. I mean, you, right now you just need bodies. Yeah, and somebody that can do it adequately. A, there's not a bad option you can. That's take not there. a bad option. No, no, I'm with you. I think you need creative ideas right now about how to just be able to get to to manufacture depth at corner, especially if you don't trust Anthony Cook and he's not ready to take you to the next level. Um, and again, so, you yeah. know, you, you know, Josh Thompson's not coming back, and coming you back. don't really know when Jalen Green's coming back. Yeah, so you need to actually, like, literally, potentially, basically, go a month or longer with whoever you got now, or whatever you're going to have that corner. I'll take it a step further than Matt did it, Rod. This this bye week, it's almost like you're back to spring ball. Where you're just experimenting. Yeah. yeah, no, you got to reevaluate. You got to find out who can cover and who can't. Yeah, who your two best man coverage guys? Who can play bump? Who's better in zone coverage? For you know, situational defense, because yes. you're going to have to have there a lot go. of these different things, and one game may change to the next, Great and you point. know it's going to against Oklahoma yeah. and Lincoln Riley. Totally so he's got to know what tools can be used in what situations. Like maybe, yeah, I because agree. of because the Sean Jamison is only five nine, and we know in the, at least in the spring he had issues covering bigger receivers. Maybe in red zone situations, maybe Chris Adamore becomes your boundary corner, or Kenyatta Watson becomes your boundary corner. Yeah. I know I'm with you. I think you got to get creative. I, I wouldn't be against that either. Just to, and I would say you have maybe because you're rotating guys, you know what defense to play when you if you're going to rotate some of those guys in and out, and you kind of just play to their strengths. Right. Um, but man, it's going to be it's going to be a true man a test, a hell of a test for Todd Orlando the next month in the Big Twelve. Yeah. <laughs> I mean it. And we thought we thought this Oklahoma State game was a test for him, and it really was. And I think he passed with fine colors. But the next month is going to be a hell of a challenge to go through the Big Twelve without, basically, with your third or fourth best corners or whatever it is. He's going to have to do. It's going to be a pretty pretty. It's going to be a daunting task. I remember we used to joke about like just imagining Will Muschamp in a room, just like watching film, and that's all he does. Like right now, Orlando may not sleep for the next two weeks because he has to basically recreate an entire defense. Pretty before much the whole season's on the line. I agree with that. Yeah. So we know what corner looks like when you look at the safety position, Rod. The interesting thing for me is when if let's say BJ Foster is ready to go for West Virginia, which. Hey. Sounds like it sounds like that's going to be the case. That'd be great. That'd be huge. Do you leave Brandon Jones at nickel and just put BJ Foster at deep safety, or without Caden Stearns, do you value the speed and veteran presence of Brandon Jones more back deep as opposed to being in the nickel? I think it all depends on the. I think that's a matchup thing. I think you got to use Brandon Jones weekly as a matchup guy. If they got somebody in the slot that can that, that can really do some damage to you and they use their slot receivers like that like we use Duvernay the like CD you, Lamb. yeah their age they, they treat their slot like we treat our age then you need Brandon Jones in that slot you do you know what I mean mm-hmm. and that way you can you can still have BJ Foster and the thing about Chris Brown and BJ Foster both of them are really physical at the line of scrimmage right. like both of those guys I could see playing in the box and, and no issue at all honestly I'd be worried about their range and I don't know I, does Chris Brown have more range as a safety private than BJ Foster he might. I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know. B.J. Foster's got good range. That's what I'm saying. Like, I, yeah. I, I, that's what I'm saying. If you want to think about moving a center field safety or like that field safety, and I know it sounds crazy to move Chris Brown away from the line of scrimmage and away from the box because he's so good there. But if you got B.J. Foster back, you're starting to play to guy's strengths, right? You're just like, hey, this guy does this well. 
B.J. Foster's your best blitzer. He needs to be near the line of scrimmage. He needs to be in the box. You know, that needs to be what he does. And, and, and Chris, coming off a hamstring, maybe not good. And to maybe, be exactly, maybe not have him running, yeah, from sideline to mm, sideline. Yeah, you know what I mean? So I agree. I think you just kind of take that basis on the. And I agree. Sometimes Brandon Jones will be better as your center fielder when you don't have a Caden Stearns because maybe against Oklahoma, mm-hmm. maybe you're going to need that, that blanket. Maybe you're going to need that safety blanket against yeah. Oklahoma. You know what I mean? That's, maybe Oklahoma, you got to try. And who would play nickel then? That's the question. At least you have a couple people that can. Chris, like that's what's Chris, good about it. Chris Brown. Because I, mean, I wouldn't trust BJ Falls to play nickel now with that hand. I mean, honestly, I, you might have to look at how much nickel does Chris Adamora play now. Because Chris saying. Adamora is technically your backup nickel now. Yeah, you might have to see. And you know what? Maybe that's perfect. Like you said, maybe he needs to be playing about thinking about playing nickel and corner right now because that's what you need. Yeah. Right now, just to just kind of yeah. fill out the roster. Because I agree against certain teams. I'd rather Brandon Jones playing that center field since we don't have Caden Stearns. It was beautiful when you had Caden Stearns mm-hmm. and Brandon Jones. It was like, well, we got a center fielder, so we can always put Brandon Jones at the nickel, and we're still good safety over the top. And I, by the way, I thought Caden Stearns actually played one of his better games this year mm-hmm. against Oklahoma State, too. But now with no center field, no natural center fielder, you got to make the determination week by week which one is more important, my nickel or my center field safety. Or the other thing you can figure out, too, is can Montrell still continue to function for you as that, no, one of those deep safeties? Yeah, Montrell Estelle. We like forgot, that, you got a pick. That was, one of, my, that, that was one yeah. of my. That was one of my. That was one of my. How about takeaways. late Montrell Estelle was in that category. <laughs> that was one of my takeaways right after the game because I've got to do like an instant reactions piece that goes live right at kickoff, and that was my takeaway was just think of, think about this like Texas at the end of that game, no Caden Stearns, no B J Foster, no Demarion Overshone, and you have still got playmakers on the field at safety. Yeah, and no Chris Jim. Brown's making yeah. plays. Brandon Jones is making plays. Adam Moore is making plays. Like, Thompson, like. Yeah. Back to your right. point, though, Rod. Like corner, it should be a need in recruiting. You're oozing talent at safety right now. You really are. You're finding out guys you didn't even know that could play at that high level, like you know Chris Brown. So I'm, Montreal, I'm Montreal still has a pick in, in the Oklahoma State game. Yeah, no, it's good. That sort of reminds me, of, like you were saying, the DBs behind you in your class. That you know, we I remember not knowing who Huff was or Griffin was, but in the third or fourth quarters, those dudes would come in ball hawking and be taking balls back the other way. And yeah. like, if you get that drop off where you've never seen this guy in action and you have an injury that may be catastrophic, and then you don't. Don't notice much drop off. It's like okay, there's some depth being formed here. So you still have depth at safety. That is freaky considering how much the guy, how many guys you lost, and you still have. Yeah, I forgot. I forgot all about Montreal Estelle. So the truth is, basically, going back to our initial idea about trying to mitigate the damage at Cover corner, corner, even before we had to deal with the Oklahoma State game, or even back before the Louisiana Tech game we were talking about it, mm-hmm. you take your depth at safety and you figure out which one of those guys can cover, and then you start to fill in the holes at corner if you need. And right now you desperately need it. So, yeah, yeah I'm with you. Chris Adamora, I think you might just need to put him at corner and nickel right now to try to see if you can fill out some depth just to give you more mm-hmm. options there, you know what I mean, to evaluate. If you don't know it, yeah. learn it. Yeah, yeah, you know what I mean? And, you know, it'll help him. It mm-hmm. really will. Like, it'll make him a better player, no question about yeah, it. Yeah, I think at the very least you – Based on the, the Brandon Jones scenario we just laid out, and what do you do against Oklahoma? Uh, we don't want to look past yeah, we're not West Virginia, ahead. Trust but me, yeah, yeah. You, the team can't. We can't. We can do whatever the heck we want on the <laughs> podcast. But that's a game where you're going to need Chris Adamore in that nickel position. Yeah, Oklahoma. Yep, you're going to need a physical presence there, and you're going to need somebody that can cover in that nickel. Yeah, and that can run. So I, I, I agree with you. I think, and then you're still also going to need a center fielder. You're going to need somebody mm-hmm. that can help you over the top with the big plays because you know they're going to chunk it deep too. And then if if that's <laughs> Jones, if that's Jones, then the fact we know how much Todd Orlando loves to blitz with his safeties and get that havoc rate with his safeties, 
now your X factor becomes okay. Is Demarvion Overshown back by the Oklahoma game? Like when is Demarvion Overshown ready? Yeah, what's the percentage of BJ Foster? How healthy is he? Yeah, you know what I mean. And so it's it's not. Look, you don't have the, Chris Brown. I just I still think you're you're you're, you're still okay. Yeah, like you're great at safety still. If those if Overshown and BJ Foster are on track, if they're not, then you got some trouble there too. Right. So this you is a mean? big week for those guys. This is a big week for those to, guys. Yeah. to make sure that they're right going into and the honestly, game. And honestly, I wouldn't think they'd be doing – I don't know I, I don't know where they are in their recovery, but I would think, like you said, n- no DBs, no safeties are doing a damn thing like this week. I'm just – I'm yeah. waiting on game week to see if everybody can come back as healthy as possible for game week. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was on with uh, Bucky and Aaron Tuesday morning, and Aaron kind of let off with asking, okay, based on the injuries – what is a secondary? How do you feel about the Oklahoma game? And I'm like, even if everybody was healthy, still be still I'd still be concerned about the Oklahoma <laughs> game. Like, hey, <laughs> actually, now I'm yeah. more concerned about it. I will say because watching Spencer Sanders out there as a as an elite runner at the quarterback position in the plus mm-hmm. one, eh, it's got me a little concerned. Yeah. Not gonna lie. <laughs> Not gonna lie. I, I kept thinking about Jalen Hurts uh, at that time. I was like, well, I know because for some reason Jalen Hurts' foot speed looks so much quicker than he in did that at offense, Alabama. In it's that weird. Off, exactly. In that offense, he looks. <laughs> he looks, looks like faster. Spencer Sanders. He looks more explosive in that offense. It's yeah. weird, but I think it's just because of the offense. Honestly, yeah. yeah. Well, let's uh, let's talk about Spencer Sanders and that Texas Contest. defense against yeah. the Oklahoma State yeah. offense. And Rod, I think if you said. Going into the game, Chuba Hubbard's going to have 3.3 a carry, and Tylen Wallace will catch five balls for less than 100 yards and not score. Mm. You'd say, oh, Texas probably wins that game by a couple touchdowns. And honestly, had it not been for the two muff punts, maybe it's there. (laughs) Yep. But we talked, you know, for the LSU game, how, and maybe it was the Texas staff not thinking, Tom Herman's kind of, he did say the Thursday before the Oklahoma State game that maybe LSU was a little bit better offensively than they thought. The plan against LSU was not good offensively. Uh, like, it, no, I mean, I'm sorry, it wasn't, defensively. It wasn't creative or innovative. You know what I mean? Like, it just was. Like, I I, to me, they did not get a schematic advantage really through the game plan, in right. my opinion. Right? It was a very structurally sound offense you're against that it yeah. seemed it was going to need something impressive from Orlando to go out there. And it just seemed like, again, the further away we get from that game, to me, my takeaway from it is. I really think the Texas staff used that game as a barometer to see, hey, athlete for athlete, from a physicality standpoint, against a team that should be top five right team. in the mix yeah. for the, for a CFP spot, how do we stack up? I think that's how they approached it. And that's why I think Tom Herman said we knew win or lose we were going to be better for that game. It's mm-hmm. just me kind of piecing all that together. But, that. Rod, what we talk about, though, we said because of how important this staff knows the it takes the Big 12 schedule compared to non-conference, especially as this programs continue to build, the game plans for Oklahoma State are going to be much better. Yeah, that's all. And for Todd Orlando, game plan for Oklahoma State was much better. It was, yeah. It was a very yeah. You got to give him props. He earned some. Uh, he earned some street cred with and that game plan. Tom Herman talked about it after the game, but basically what Texas did was they played trap coverage on one side of the field, which was taking the nickel and the corner, and basically you're going to air quotes trap any kind of outcut curl, basically anything short, so you can yeah. be aggressive and run support. Where that does not apply to, that did not apply to Tylen Wallace's side of the field, which they're going to try to double, double Tylen Wallace all the time. Yeah. And what trap coverage, in, in effect, forced Spencer Sanders to do was it was the defense telling him, look, you're basically in a cover two shell and everything vertical is getting passed off to the safety. And it's basically Todd Orlando saying, look, young man, if you can hit that 40-yard post route and one-on-one coverage, then I'll tip my cap to you. You did a good job. Yeah. But those were the throws they were going to give him. And Rod? 
He hit an uncomfortable amount of them. I I thought I thought Oklahoma State should try to throw more of those over the top, you mm-hmm. know, kind of where he's scrambling, keeping the play alive, and just kind of chunking it just deep to, to get a Texas to do something else. Wide receiver, yeah. I, they never Todd Orlando yeah. never had to deviate from the plan. Yeah, and and honestly, there are a lot of times where those guys got behind Texas because it's really hard to cover what we call the movement routes, where that's when a, a, a wide receiver doesn't stop; they're just running, you know, clear across the field, whether it be a post route or a long crossing route or a drag, whatever. Call them movement routes. When a guy's run, there's a movement route. And he He's literally streaking. He is. He's basically blown up the coverage. The coverage doesn't exist anymore. Coverage yeah. is a shell of it, and, and cover two safeties over the top. It doesn't exist anymore. Once a guy is streaking to the other sideline, you know what I mean. You're passing off routes. So he didn't test the communication of the safeties. You had Texas DBs dropping like flies. If I was him, honestly, I'd have ran deep crossing routes. Mm. All right, all night long with a with a delayed drag route or the running back out as an, an outlet, a, a late a late release by a running back, giving Spencer Sanders time to extend the play and giving him options like a dump off. Mm-hmm. And he never did that. There was never a there was never a delayed release. Because think about it, the yeah. safeties are dropping deep. They're all sprinting back, and all the all the and the defensive line was pushing. Right, they were either trying to get to Spencer Sanders or they were trying to cover guys on the back end. What's in between? Late releases, baby. Mm-hmm. The tight end should have been the cowboy back, the running back, which we know Gundy for some reason hates throwing the ball or running back, which I still don't understand. These days he, just, he does. He used yeah, to not. If he just thrown it to Chuba one or two times, a good chance that Chuba probably would have got 30, 40 yards because there's nobody covering the running backs. And they never Because he do. never throws to them. Doesn't even target them. <laughs> Doesn't even target them. All year. They never use play action. I never saw any. There was no screens. Yep. Like, what was the screens? Texas was really aggressive. Our corners were coming in the backfield yeah. to try to stop run plays. Where was the screen? So if I was an Oklahoma State fan, I just kept looking going, damn, this is one of the worst adjustments that I've ever seen by Mike Gunn. As a matter of fact, I don't think I saw an adjustment yes. other than let's run, the run, let's run the quarterback because he's our best chance to get explosive plays in the running You game. had the stat going into the game that Oklahoma State, I think was a 66, 67% of the time. Run rate on first down was run, 67% yeah. in the first three games. It was 73, it was 73.5%, I believe, uh-huh, on first down. 28 to 8. <laughs> in this game. And Mike Gundy. Like, so he, he ran the ball more on first down. Yeah, Mike Gundy went four. against kind of what he's it's been crazy. in some of these big games he's coached in where it, it, it's almost, it's not like – Belichick levels, but it's almost like he's giving you. It's almost like he's setting you up to give you. He's giving you bad information. Yes, it's, misinformation. It's, it's misinformation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I thought he would break tendency. He yeah. never broke tendency. No, he didn't. And was, I, was, I was like, oh, he's gonna break tendency yeah. here pretty soon. He's gonna do something freaky and crazy. And he never broke tendency. He played right into the hands of Todd Orlando. And give Todd Orlando credit because it was Todd Orlando's game plan, mm-hmm. which I think almost forced him into a very uncomfortable corner where he didn't want to be a riverboat gambler. He didn't want to. He didn't want to play the odds. Todd Orlando basically said, "Listen." You got three threats. You got Chuba, the best, you know, the most pro- prolific and productive running back in the country. You got Tyler Wallace, most productive wide receiver in the country. And you got Spencer Sanders, a dual threat quarterback. I'm going to take away Chuba and I'm taking away Tyler Wallace. If Spencer Sanders can beat me, I'm going to let him beat me. Yeah. And by the way, we had that coming to America moment where that boy's good. Yeah. Where I think all over it's like, hey, that boy might beat us. That you got to at good. least prove it first. Yeah, Others are pro- known and commodities. We, and we helped them, right? Basically, it'll been a two touchdown probably game where Texas wins unless you have the fumbled punts and all that kind of stuff. And Texas getting really conservative on offense. So I think in other phases, Texas helped them. But defensively, you look at it, Tarlando, basically, I want to make sure I get the stat right because um, it, it's a great stat. In the 10 drives, 
where Texas kicked off the football mm-hmm. or punted the football to them, and they got it via a kick of some sort. A conventional I they, method of a conventional method. Possession. They only scored nine points, I believe, on those ten drives, and then on the man, it was four drives, I believe, where they got it via turnover, turnover and downs, interception Touchdowns. or fumble. And I think they scored 21. what twenty, yeah, twenty one points on that. Yeah, three what you're saying is there you go. So it's there you go. I mean, in a nutshell, it was a Texas offense that basically helped them out. So well, what you're saying is in the fi- in the film room on Sunday, Todd Orlando's throwing stuff at the whiteboard about sudden change defense. Sudden change defense needs needs work. The sudden change defense has, is a problem. But you know, I mean, you haven't had to deal with that because Sam doesn't turn the ball over. Yeah. So I would say number one, short field. You just haven't really had a lot of sudden change because Sam doesn't turn the ball over very often. And, yeah, I agree with you. I think with a young defense, which is one of the youngest defenses that Texas has seen in, in its history, I think, yeah, you just, those, the, the veterans are the ones. Sudden change, let's go. Like, let's hold them right yeah. here. Remember, Texas was really good at that win. Like, 2017, they are really good They're in sun change. Good sudden change. Right? Because I think that was a veteran group. Well, and mm-hmm. Sam was turning the ball over a lot. Yeah. So. Really good situation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, More practice. sample size <laughs> and a better sample size. And a better sample size, yeah. So I, I think it's just that's just a, a growth and maturity thing. And yeah. then yeah, you talked about the running on first down, though. I charted it. Me and Rod were texting about some of it crazy. last night. But, like, it's crazy to see because when you think of Oklahoma State, like you said, you think of not only breaking tendencies, but you think about just somebody running loose behind your defense and getting a big play and winning in the explosives and winning through the pass game. Yeah. And that's what you're fearful when you see Wallace. But then whenever you see, okay, well, Texas was able to double-team Wallace and not really negate him. At the first half, you got a little worried. But then it just sort of disappeared after that. And it really just intertwines with one another because you look at the way that you knew that Gundy and there's that mutual respect between mm-hmm. Herman. If they have the numbers advantage, you're going to run it. And you're, if you have an advantage on the outside, you're going to take it. Well, yeah. you aren't giving them the man outside. So then because you're doubling there, you're able to bring less. But the main thing is, is you're enticing Oklahoma State to run the ball with what they perceive as a numbers advantage. Yep. Yet. Coburn and Roach in the D-line were able to reset the line and be able to win at the line of scrimmage. So Gundy's making the right coaching play, and Herman knows that he's going to make the right coaching play. And Coach Sanders up to make the right check at the line, and they check at the line before every single play. And then when they see that numbers advantage, they're like, all right, we got it, we're running. And then they end up running 14 times in the first half for 49 yards, 14 times the second half for 48 yards on first down. And then they only throw those four times each half for 30 yards and a pick. And with Texas knowing that they can sort of now dictate the terms on the defensive side and decide the type of play call they want, It allows you to have the numbers advantage to double. You're winning up front to negate the running game, and then that allows Spencer only to win after Texas has already won the play. play And that's your best offense, and if you're deducing Gundy's offense down to that, that's awesome. And then on the other end, breaking tendencies, you look at Texas, and Texas didn't have a great uh, pass rate on first down. But if you go through the first few drives, hell, you go through the first 12 First down plays, Texas ran 10 times. The thing was is Texas run, 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 run. First time you get a first down in the red zone, pass touchdown. Second time you get into the red zone, you pass touchdown. Those two passes out of those 12 first down ones were breaking Tennessee because all you had done is run the entire game on first down. And then you throw for touchdowns. The most important uh, possession of the drive. And then the very last one touchdown was also a 
pass play on first down. So Sam Ellinger was three for four for 96 was the yards. Flea flicker, the flea flicker part of that? Yeah, uh, that was in the second half to Brewer. So that was also on also first, down. first down. The right? Eagles yeah, yeah. was also in the first. So in the first half, he's three for four for 96 yards and three touchdowns passing. And he only barely broke tendency only in the most leveraged spot. But that's also where Texas's defense gets so good in those small situations with this type of defense that you're doing because you're taking away their red zone target, doubling him, forcing them to run, and it's just feeding you both ways. It was well coached on that side by Herman, at least on the chess match aspect. No, that's, on both a, of that's them. a brilliant breakdown, and I think you're rounding money. He it basically taught Orlando bet on his defensive line, and the defensive line was able to flip the numbers, advance back because mm-hmm. Andre Coburn and consistently Roach. reset the line of scrimmage. Malcolm Roach had a great, even Taquan Graham. I saw him flash consistently. It's great. Listen to Herb out Street. There. Saw, Herb so, yeah. Street's like, why are they still running with three minutes left? Yeah. He's like, I sort of understood it before. And while he's saying that, Coburn and Roach just eat up a three-yard yeah. loss. Yeah. And, and one thing they also did really well, and I know they missed a lot of tackles. I counted at least 15 missed tackles. They missed a ton of tackles, too. But most of those were on Spencer Sanders. If you go look at when Tylen Wallace and mm-hmm. Juba Hubbard are trying to make plays, there are a ton of guys, you know what I mean, in that vicinity. There are a ton of guys that are, you know what I mean, you can tell that they are pursuing the football, pursuing those guys specifically. Basically, the game plan was all about, hey, man, Spencer Sanders can go out there and win the Heisman in this game. Yeah. Then we're going to give it up to him. And honestly, he wasn't able to do it. Honestly, if Gundy would have put him in a better position, he might have been able to do it. But I agree with you. I think the defensive line and arguably the offensive line is probably what won the game for Texas because they dominated both lines mm-hmm. of scrimmage with the running game and, of course, being able to defend the run. And we've seen one play in like two weeks, like a guy like Coburn has sort of made himself into now. I feel quite confident that we have one of the better D linemen with him and Roach He's, side by side. Yeah. Then it's like, okay, that's formidable. Find another one in the conference. Yeah, if, that guy, if, if that guy's going to continue on this <laughs> on this path, then He's a that defense guy. is going to be scary. That defense is going to be scary because that – we all know great Todd Orlando defense, at least recently. They all have that war daddy in the middle, and right now he's becoming a war daddy. It's your freedom and to do whatever you want on the back end like and, you do. And he is the equi- – when Tom Herman's saying that the D-line doing their job doesn't always you know, materialize in stats, he's talking about the D-tackle. Yeah. Because there are other positions we've seen Unless that they actually – Malcolm Roach and Taquan Graham, we can see those guys. They got 12, tack- I mean, 12 tackles for loss, I believe, in that game. You can see those guys. Their effort appears on the stat sheets, but I will say Kendrick Coburn's does not. It, mm-hmm. He's like he's no – if you look at the defensive <laughs> box score, buddies. his name doesn't show up. Doesn't and show and up. I, I'm like, surely yeah. you got to credit him with a hurry or something. Pro football focus. Y'all need to work on the D tackle. Like, yeah, he stats mm-hmm. for that guy because, yeah, he does – I call him resets where you reset the line of scrimmage where basically you push the line of scrimmage uh-huh. back. Because he had a ton of those, but basically he pushes the yeah. line of scrimmage back. No, somebody, charts, somebody charts D line plus minus where it's just where do you end on that play if it's a run? Do they play, really? Because yes. that he need yeah that bet his stat right there is pretty good for Oklahoma State. Is that the mm-hmm. is that the win rate, Matt? I'm gonna look it up, but I actually they do have that now in the uh, I've seen him keep, keep it up with that. Win they rate. have win rate oh, basically. Yeah. It's like it's, I think it's is it two seconds? It's like two seconds. If you can hold a block for two yeah. seconds, that's a win for you. If you get off a block in under two seconds, a win for the defense. They you call know, it win rate now. You know, week I think it was week three. I think yeah. in, if, uh, for NFL centers, Trey Hopkins was number two in the he league. He was. He was doing it's really like well. Ninety eight percent. Yeah, win rate. I, I saw mean, that. He's yeah. play, the Bengals are trash, but he's playing really well. He's playing really well. He's playing center because me move move from guard to center then, right? Good for him, modern offense. Making money. Good for yeah, him. Yeah, this was one of those. Uh, he was him and Adrian Phillips, Jackson Jeffcoat. That was that 2014 draft class where a lot of those guys signed. As <laughs> well, honestly, that was actually one of the better. That I don't know about that time. That's one of the better O line groups that Texas had. Better in a long group 
time. Uh, veteran group. Yeah. Yeah. Dom Espinosa was a multi-year starter. Mason Walters, Trey Hawk- Hopkins, Donald Hawkins. Donald Hawkins. Donald yeah. Hawkins played a few years in the NFL. This is one of the last <laughs> groups, and we talked about this with the old line. I brought this up to you. Like, when was the last time Texas offense had a quarterback playing at this kind of level? All right, at this elite level, like Sam Ellinger is, and also an offensive line playing at this high level. This might be the best old line in oh, the Big five. Twelve. And, Don't say it, man. And, Don't say it. And multiple NFL players on the O line. Like, they're multiple. Like, Zach Shackelford and Cosmo in NFL love. Bronze, a guy that will probably, you know, creep on an NFL roster I'm here and there. I'm going to tell you he's getting there. I mean, like, it's, it's been a while since you. Can check I, hey, I know boxes. you're right, Matt, but don't say it. <laughs> yeah, no, it is. I think it's it is too. Effect. I agree. I'm just throwing it out there. It's been a while. Oh, I know. And all you guys are right. I'm just not gonna. It's <laughs> well, not gonna come out of my mouth. Listen, that yeah. was the but it allow it. It does allow you to do. That's just why you can have a game like Oklahoma State where you do have two disastrous turnovers on special teams, where you do lose a ton of guys on defense. And yet you still and doesn't you know not a well coached game even by the Tom Herman standards. And not a well-played game. Tom Herman said that, too. And you can still win. Why? Because you did have some dominant performances. Yeah. One was by Sam Ellinger. I think the other was by the O-line. Devin freaking Duvernay, who we need to discuss yes. a little bit more and give him some love. It, and I think that defensive line. I think I think you're looking at dominant yeah. performances. I think those four. And, and Keontae Ingram had a great performance, too. So maybe I'll throw him in that five. Those five performances is what basically won you the game in spite of the coaching, in spite of the playing, in spite of the injuries. Yeah. Now get back to Matt's point, though, about just how dominant the D-line was. I think what encapsulates that is that fourth and one stop. Mm-hmm. Well, when Oklahoma State's got fourth and one at the three, Joseph Osai got credit for that tackle for a loss. And Joseph Osai had a really good game. But that, is that the that was the play where – Is that the gun – which one? The fourth and one? Is that the fumble early on, right? That's not the fumble. No, no, no. no I'm talking about the stop. one where they this got the stop. stop. Okay, yeah. This is, yeah, yeah, I got you, I got you. That stop happens because Malcolm Roach drives the right guard mm-hmm. into the backfield and Shuba Hubbard trips over his own guy. Dude, the same thing happened then when they fumbled. Remember when they, the fourth fumble by Joseph That was Cobra. Cobra yeah. got in uh, there. Uh, but it was – I think Osai's the one that hit it, but it was yeah. Cobra yeah. who came in like a freak of – it was basically almost looked like the same play. Yeah. Because I can see it in my – but I always see just Cobra just coming through. Mm. And it's so crazy because he'll just – as a reckless abandon, he'll come through. And sometimes I don't even know what gap he's shooting. He's just moving the other guy in front of him yeah. back, and that's enough to, dis- to just destroy the pocket and disrupt everything. And I think it's beautiful. It's a beautiful thing when you see it. The, the, yeah. the lines, the lines of scrimmage is where when you look at okay, what groups benefited from the LSU game the most, and not to say they were the only groups that benefited because I think Devin Duvernay gained confidence from that game. I think Sam Ellinger definitely took something from mm-hmm. that game, but. I think your offensive line and defensive line, Rod, coming out of that LSU game, yeah. especially like the offensive line, I think it was like, oh, if, if I think their mindset was, man, if we can move LSU, we can move pretty much anybody in the country. Yeah. And D line wise, and Coburn talked about it and Roach talked about it, maybe if they had prepared better, they, they felt more like dominant. they felt like physically they were just as good, if not better, than LSU's offensive line. Yeah, and honestly, let's let's be honest. As we uh, we still got our theory, they may not have been as prepared as they should have been. Right, because the, you know, I mean, the, the the mentality by the coach is like, no, nah, we're gonna go in there man for man and beat LSU, which they almost did. But I agree with you one hundred percent because it's almost the what's the what Rocky movie is it where is it Rock is it is Rocky three. Which you ain't one? so Before bad. Before the he starts, you ain't so bad. All right, Mr. T. Yeah. yeah. All right, you ain't so bad. You ain't so bad. I, it's that moment. I think literally where you know they, Texas has been hearing about you know the Big Twelve and all that, and they literally they go up against LSU, supposed to be you know the NFL uh, roster with some of the top talent in the country, and they realize like, dude, you ain't 
you ain't so bad. <laughs> like you ain't so, yeah, you're a good player, but hell, if I'd have been better prepared, um, you know, I mean, I could beat you on almost every snap yeah. if yeah. I decide. And I, I'm with you 100. percent I've had you had those games against really good wide receivers. You go, you're gonna be drafted in the first round. Well, <laughs> hell, man, I should be drafted in the first round. Then I'm as good as you are. I've had those games Reggie against guys. Williams. That is Rashawn Woods. I had a game like that against like, dude, you ain't so bad. Like, you know, what I mean, and I think that you're right. It is a confidence builder for those guys. Yeah. Uh, anything we talked a lot about the defense. I, I will say this one more thing, and I don't know if you guys have any parting shots on the defense. The one thing I think they really lack is a guy who can, like they had with Charles Amenahu last year, where in a tight spot you can say, "Look, just go line up at a seven technique and go get after the quarterback. Mm-hmm. Like, forget your normal responsibility. I just need yeah. you to go get a pressure." Yeah, he caused the uh, at the at the end of the game last uh, last this past weekend. Charles Amenahu mm-hmm. got like a. A big holding call that he forced at the end of the game. Uh, yep. to, <laughs> when right, Philip Rivers always yeah, trying to, to come from behind, yeah, and exaggerated. I'm, and I'm reading things. Move. I'm reading things from like Texans beat reporters. They're like, "Oh, Charles Menno who's really helping out JJ Watt and Whitney Merciless." I'm like, "Like what alternate universe am I in where they, I'm reading?" They that? put together a yep. NASCAR yes. package basically where they've put like their best pass rushers on the field, and it, they move JJ Watt inside, and they put Whitney Merciless on the outside, and they have uh, Charles Menno who there too. That's crazy. I mean, because he's that he's a nat- like you put he's a natural pass yeah. rusher. Uh, Pro Football Focus actually had him as one of the highest, actually the second highest graded Texan this past week. Well, yeah. and they had defending. him graded in week two, and it was his first game ever because he was yeah. inactive in week one, and then he's just yeah. right there thrown into the mix. No, he's great. Like the highest, highest graded rookie in the league, I think, in week two. Yeah, Bill, yeah. Bill O'Brien loves him, and he's he's going to stick, but I agree with you. You don't have a natural pass rusher. Right. What I do think you have is a lot of disruptive forces on the defensive line, and that's why I think you have him manuf- or will be manufacturing more pressure if from the back end. If you've got a go-to pass rusher, it's Joseph Osai. But Rod, Rod, yeah, I'll throw I'll throw this out there, Rod. You and I talked about this not on this podcast, but I'll bring it up here for discussion. Joseph Osai is too valuable to this defense right now as an inside linebacker. Yeah, his uh, I think his overall um, ability to diagnose plays. Yeah, I say you waste him up there. He'll still be an impact player up there. Right. But you need you and now, especially now with guys dropping, you know, dropping like flies on the back end. You need somebody to say natural football that can diagnose plays really quickly and get there and make plays. So I, I'm with you. I think situationally, yes, you might put him down there, but not co- as consistently as the bookend pass rusher on every play. Yeah. Now he's and I remember I, I suggested that you know he'd be kind of your Sergio Kendall. I think he could be that if you need him to be a Sergio Kendall. But right now you don't need him to be that. You he's more valuable. Uh, I think as an actual linebacker, whether it be inside or outside, especially in the Big 12. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So good week for the defense to get healthy. Uh, I don't know if the offense wants to take a game off because they're clicking the on all eights right now, Rod. And we talk about that offensive line. And it's amazing how much of your playbook opens up when you can get that kind Crazy. of surge, that kind of push on a consistent basis. And I talked to Sam Cosme. Uh, in the post game, and I asked him kind of how they felt about their ability to get a push, and he told me they felt going in like they could get a surge, but he said once it started happening, they realized they could just do that all night. Yeah, it was like the LSU receivers when they came off the field so in the Texas Texas in the first quarter, they were like, they can't cover us, man. <laughs> it's like, uh, yeah, they can't. <laughs> and that's really? much what it was for the Texas offensive uh. line. It's like, hey, they – we, we can, can move them. them wherever we want, pretty much, and they pretty much move them yeah. wherever they wanted. If you honestly, Rod, if you take away, and we could talk about the conservative nature in the, in the fourth quarter when you know they're trying to bleed clock, but really, if you take away the one bad fourth down decision by Tom Herman, 
Okay. There's not a lot to find fault with in the offense in terms um, of how the plan was executed. Let me see. You know, I can find fault with anything. Give me a couple of. Oh, yeah. I know you can. <laughs> no, no, no. I agree with you 100. percent Actually, okay. I have my two things. Um, <laughs> just that quick. I got one too. <laughs> got when you're done. Okay, I'll say. I'll say this. Uh, and because you're right, I think it's hard to really find anything. Tom Herman admitted that fourth down call was terrible, and it was a terrible call. They and they rushed to the line to do it. That's too. what like, I didn't like, like about it. They saw something. Like yeah. they. I was like, what did you? see because I didn't see it and yeah it was really predictable and it was just a bad call and it's like very creative innovative guy you need to have a part of your binder specifically for fourth down in one place yeah this goes back Herman admitted he fell in love with that play and I think it was emotion like because he even (sighs) said it post game he's like no it's just I thought I had the right play and I fell in love it had been working I guess in previous weeks like they in this situation he loved it and it was like that's very unherman of you you just saying that you get infatuated and overtaken with the motion the the bam bam sam play would have worked better than it was almost like I thought it was going to be exactly yeah, QB. It was almost like the body language of all 11 guys on offense. It was almost like they're like, this ain't going to work. <laughs> this ain't going to work. Was a great point. It did look like they're like, are we doing this? Oh, oh. man. This- <laughs> no, it looked just like uh, Gundy. When Gundy had his yeah. indecision and brain fart and ended up, it's fourth and one, and yeah. he knew, well, I can't keep settling for field goals, but when I can't get touchdowns. When his holder played touchdowns. hot potato with the snap. <laughs> well, no, and this one was the delay of game because it's his indecision. At the time, we thought he was just trotting a kicker out there to kick a field goal, yeah. but he knew we'd been just settling for field goals. Got, can't keep something. doing it, and he was going to fake it, and it was Terrible his indecision fake. for 10 seconds that he still rushed him out there, and they tried to get it off, but they didn't get it off in time. A delay happens, and then Terrible. he instead, he's like, well, I was going to fake it already, and now it's fourth and six. I guess <laughs> I still got to fake it. And you can, I rewound it, and you can see his indecision. He's late getting the call in, and yeah. then he even mouths something to Amendola. Like, yeah, we're still doing it. Like, we're still kicking it. But he goes out there, and it's a fake. But that's totally on no. him inside his own mind for 10 seconds and not getting that play call in because that cost him a delay. When, when, yeah. you guys, when you were on the 40, you guys had the best fake field goal ever. Just snap to Botrahan. Just tell him to get north and just get what you can and convert. And if you on. got that guy, yeah. Botrahan yeah. was thought he was, was like, like a- Muschamp had his <laughs> behind the head throw against Alabama. That was a good one. That, it worked, and then he got called that back was for a holding. A great that was one. Awesome. Yeah, that was actually a really that was good old one. LSU. But no, if you got Sam Ellinger, you got Bam Bam Sam. If you're gonna yes, do that, you just do run that. Sam, man. Just, just run. Sam. And you got you said if your O line is playing like one of the be- exactly playing like one of the best O lines in the country. Just get behind that left side and run the fourth down stuff goes back to Tom Herman's first year and I said this then I believed it then and I still believe it now and Matt you pointed me in this direction many years ago all the analytics all the numbers tell you go for it's it. better to go for it yeah, you go for I it. don't have a problem with the decision but man you've got to have some like everybody has like two-point plays and plays Mm-hmm. You sh- like you said, Rod. You should have stuff that this that is play design. Fourth and fourth and six or less. This is what we're going with. What was it? Fourth and one? Was it fourth and fourth one? Three. Fourth I and think. three. Fourth and three. But yeah. still, okay. you have the best tool in the history fourth of college three. football right, outside so- maybe Tebow for that. I was going to say, yeah, fourth and three, you got to have something. So I understand why you can't just do a straight-up power play because it's fourth and three. It's a little longer. But, yeah, I mean, I, I'm i surprised about the play design. Well, at least he admitted it, too, by the way. Tom yeah. said that was oh, a yeah. bad play design. Up on the front. Yeah, yeah, so good yeah. for him. So hopefully, again, yeah. the, the the decision process for Tom Herman Makes is not going to change. No. And people just need to wrap their heads around that. Like, he's not just he's like, you know what? You. And he's We're going to run out and right kick a field decision. goal. It's, that like, too. it's just the play call, the actual design of the play that is the problem. Yes. And the execution of it. And and just to be clear, he will continue to go for it every time for the exactly. rest. There's no indecision. It, it actually, and it, it, I will still support it, by the yes, way. I agree. Right call. One thing I will say, though, Malcolm Epps, 
I'm going to need Malcolm Epps to start playing like he's 6'8". Yeah, yeah, true. He plays like he's 6'4". You know what I mean? He plays like, considering how He plays how like beat, he's a tight end. He, yeah, it's like, dude, you're 6'8". Dude, go mash people. I I want more offensive pass interference calls. I'd rather have offensive pass interference calls than what I saw from him. Like in some I of those you. deep Risk balls, reward right? is worth it. You only yeah, lose 10. If not, you might get a touchdown. that guy, dude. Like, you're 6'8", man. Like, don't, yeah. Don't, while let we're that, on that don't point, get bodied by anybody. And, anybody. And while we're on that point, that. our DB should play that way because in college football, it's totally fine. Like, it's worth not giving up a deep touchdown, pass interfere. If we got deficient DBs with that. in there now yeah. and guys that aren't good, don't be afraid to get those calls on you. I agree with that. You, you got to go the route Oklahoma did in the Big 12 championship game, which some of those guys in their post game said. Yeah. I think it was might have been Trey Brown. I don't remember if it was Trey Brown or not. But I asked one of the DBs about it. They said, we felt like that was – our only chance was to take Humphrey and Johnson, be physical with them, and pull and grab and hope you don't get called for P.I. No, the Seattle Seahawks, <laughs> actually. No, no, it's actually it, – it, this has been a process that's been thought mm-hmm. out before. The Seattle Seahawks famously used to say they're not going to call P.I. on every play. They just won't. No. They won't. They won't. They just – they're not going to do it. Yeah. If, I P, if there are eight straight passing plays and I P.I. Every on eight, eight straight passing plays, they may call me on two. They won't call all eight. And the great There's thing no about way. college, you don't even get the spot yeah. foul. So, so it's so, even more incentivized yeah. to so do it in college. They, not saying they do it, but they're saying that they once a ref calls a P.I., he's unlikely to call it right another P.I. right after You're that. You're studying gonna, human nature. He's gonna, yeah, he's going to let yeah. it go for a while and then call another one in the next quarter. He's not going to call seven straight P.I.s. Mm-hmm. So once you, I always say once they used to get a P.I., then they would maul guys even more. Unless it's, uh, <laughs> like, yeah. unless it's holding on a run play. They'll yeah. call those all they the call time. Those, actually, they stopped. You know why they stopped? After Brady. After Brady called him out. <laughs> this this week, it dropped back down yeah. to, to average levels. Just on Sunday. Calls. Yeah. Not just, on Thursday. Yeah, that's Tom Brady called him out. Don't so, mess with the GOAT. <laughs> uh, looking at the Texas offense, though, Rob, we talked about Malcolm Epps. We talked about the fourth down uh, call that just probably, if you're Tom Herman, you got to have something else in that situation. But overall, again, it's hard for me to find fault with the offense because of how good the offensive line played. It allowed just kind of everything else to settle in around it. Mm-hmm. And I think you got to start with Sam Ellinger. Got to start with Sam. just man. the Mastery. consistency. Yeah. I mean, like you said, Rob, this is his offense. Amazing. Uh, he's got total control of it. He so rarely makes a bad decision. 20, he even, even the interception, like. Yeah, you're yeah, was a tip. I guess that's on him. He threw it into yeah, a tight window. It was, t- it was a tight window. Inside window. It was a good play in a tight window, but it also wasn't a bad throw or bad decision. Right. It just wasn't perfectly executed. It's not one yeah. where you're saying, it was what daring, the heck though. are you looking at? What it was what a confident quarterback tries to squeeze that in, and he had to pay for the consequences well, right, tw- for the risk. The yeah. one interception, but 20 for 28, 281, four touchdowns, 10 carries, 70 yards. Like, you can't. <laughs> and it just seemed like, oh, okay. I know. I That's feel a- bad because I don't think we're giving him enough props. No. I feel like when VY and Colt were doing this, it was way oh. more, you know, there was way more hoopla. There was way more celebration. We, You know what I mean? We gave him more props. I feel like we're, no. we're underselling him a little I, bit. That, you know some of I mean? that's revisionist history, though, because especially Colt, I think, like Colt 09, like it was really under the microscope. Well, I don't Colt know that anybody 08. really. 08 Colt. 
came that out was of nowhere. Celebrating. I remember when 08 Cole did. Remember his, his completion percentage? Oh, he we, was getting more accolades. Dude, I mean, we he should have won the that's Heisman. That's my first year on radio, so I remember talking yeah. about it literally like this, this dude is, is going to win ever. the Heisman. It's yeah. the best. I was like, I remember this yeah. at the time. He might be better than Vince Young. Like, he's that good. But yeah. I think I think 09 only happened because of expectations. Yeah, I think 09 it got to the point where it was really scrutinized. Yeah, man, I think we just I think we take Sam for granted. Maybe because the last year was so great, too. Maybe well, because last year, you say, right after the Maryland game, he starts this streak. So maybe we've already kind of gotten our Sam love out Well, there. no, but I think the thing Sam benefits from, too, is that that position's been so just bad here for so long that it's kind of like, you know, think about Eddie Murphy when he was talking about sex and crackers and he used a cracker analogy. Like, <laughs> no, the cracker wasn't. Just wasn't that great. Like you're starving that long. Like of course the cracker's gonna taste great. Like yes, like you finally have a good quarterback. Like yes, celebrate it. It's you haven't had one in the last decade. Now you got one. But that said, I do think there needs to be an appreciation for the way Sam Ellinger's playing that position. Not just the numbers, but Rod, everything about it. Yeah, I mean yeah. just the complete match of this offense. And you look go back to Matt's point. You look at those two red zone touchdowns. The throw to Duvernay, like that's Ooh, that's NFL a throw. T- it's an NFL it's an throw. NFL throw. Yep. And so it needs to be saved. It was the NFL catch too. You got both nearly indefensible. And as good as that one was, I actually like the Jake Smith touchdown more because nice, you yeah. see him look off the safety and boom, go backside. And that's a hell of a route by Jake Smith. It was nice stem on it. Yeah, very mature route for a young. And young I like receiver. how they're, it's sort of like uh, if you follow the Rams, how Malcolm Bro, uh, Brown relieves Gurley once every three drives. It's like Jake Smith gets his once every three drives whenever Duvernay gets to yeah. get a rest. <laughs> Duvernay go and he'll go out there, but like that position is the all the usage for the Texas offense funnels through that position, and even. When when he, it's enough to keep them both fresh, and then you still have that cat in the bag that, well, if you ever do want to go four wide and go empty and have two slot guys because Duvernay can <laughs> basically move around, that's a great chess piece to be able to have. It's crazy that we're seeing like how all these – everybody's starting to really see kind of the stuff we've talked about on this show for two years now, mm-hmm. like how these positions are supposed to function. Like the H is going to gobble up the vast majority of the touches in this offense. Yeah. And you're seeing that now with Jake Smith and Devin DuVernay. Like the Z receiver, you might get one or two targets a game, so make them count. And Brendan Eagles is making them count. Yeah. 27 yards a catch, I think he's (laughs) averaging. Something stupid. something freaky like that. No, it is. It's And then, of course, like Colin Johnson mode and the Malcolm Epps guy, they're basically the same, you know, playing the same role. Your X should be like either that secure, those security blanket throws into the boundary or, hey, we need you to go win downfield. Their yeah. version of a possession wide receiver. Yeah. But no, but but the I, it, the the reason is because Sam direct as a director of the offense, basically, he it kind of magically is able to use everyone in their role and maximize it. It's and like I said, I haven't seen him make many bad decisions this year, man. It's amazing, and, and that's underrated too because Devin Duvernay, Keontae Ingram, Sam Cosby, to a man, all three of them talked after the game like how good. Sam Ellinger is right now at getting them into the right play, whether it's a package situation yeah. or an actual he gets a kill call and has to do something else. Like he's making the right decision. You got more the checks and balances him. now. Tom Rummy can call a play, but if Sam just like okay, let's, talk, let's take the twenty nine yard run, which I think you know might be the longest run we've seen from Sam to seal the game. The the waggle, the bootleg, all right, mm-hmm. off of that uh, that wide zone they kept running. Well, Sam has you know the option to throw it or to run it. Um, Kate, I think he was probably looking at Cade Brewer. I believe Duvernay may have been streaking a little bit, like going a crossing route deep there. Yeah. But once he sees that, nah, these guys may be covered up, but he also sees that the guy covering Cade Brewer has his back turned. He's like, mm-hmm. oh, well, hell. 
that, that's the nearest defender's guy's back turn. I'm going to run for this. Easy. Yeah. And you can see that the decision-making. I think it takes them probably less than a second and a half to, to like, oh, I'm definitely not throwing this. I'm running this. Right. You know what I mean? He's so comfortable making it. And I like that Tom Herman's like, no, no, no. I'm putting the game in that guy's hands, and I'm going to give him the choice. And I know he'll make the right choice. Yeah. You know, I mean, a year, maybe a year ago, I don't know if he, well, yes, he does. Two years ago, I don't know there if he makes go. that choice. <laughs> a year ago, he does. He definitely does. Yeah. He's and just that good. it's like you said, in that situation, putting the ball in your best player's hands, what I liked about that call was it's a kind of an obvious call. Like you think, okay, it, if, it like, seem, if you're yeah. Jim Knowles and Mike Gundy, you're thinking, okay, they're going to put the ball in Ellinger's hands and probably get him on a perimeter and give him a choice. Give him a choice. Yeah. And it's obvious, but sometimes in football, that's why I love this, the saying I was told many years ago, football is a simple game made complicated by simple men. Great quote. And sometimes the, the easiest, most obvious call is the right call. It is the right. Yeah, and, now, <laughs> and, and the thing about it is, and I, you guys, I got to go back and track, and I'm going to go back and track uh, the quarterback designed runs because I think I, it was like four or five maybe. Yeah, wasn't that many of them. Wasn't that many of them, right? So we know now that they are intentionally not running Sam. They're saving him for when they need him, yeah. when they absolutely have to. And honestly, with him playing like this as a pocket-passing quarterback and O-line playing so well, you really, you know, you don't have to do that. You you actually can save him for when, yeah, against Oklahoma, he can run it 15, 20 times. Because even when they're running the zone read now, it's weird to watch Sam basically kind of run the zone read the way uh, – Philip Rivers would run it. You know what I mean? Like he, yeah. he not. You know what I mean? Like yeah. he's not gonna. He's not gonna run it. Like he's basically he gonna hand it off almost every time. Yeah, it it's not. It's not the D white. Almost like yeah. You ever seen the NFL like but Tom Brady runs his own read? Great, like, smart. Well, Brady's not gonna run it. But that's why still run his own read. That's yeah. weird. That's why you do it because <laughs> it's odd. But just that little action occupies no, the defense. <laughs> but it's just so crazy <laughs> to make that the defense you know watch Tom it. Brady's not gonna run it. But they still have to respect the ball out and your tendencies. And it's just good coaching. That's how Sam runs it now. It's like well, Sam's not running. It's pretty. Obvious. He could have run it a ton, but they're telling him, and I think he, they're telling him, "Hey, man, we don't, we don't need you to run it. Yeah. Like when we want you to run it, we'll let you know." Yeah. Which you know what? I'm cool with because if he he he's, he seems fresher, mm-hmm. he just seems like he's fresher. He's not taking as many hits. He's being very judicious about the punch he takes when he goes down. Now he's trying to slide or kind of land on his butt yeah. in weird places. Like I, I like it because I think you know early on. Um, we just want to make sure that he can last the entire season, and we know sooner or later he's going to start taking punishment. But right now, O line's keeping him clean, and he is protecting himself. And that self perseverance is so big yeah. because even last year at this time, I mean, he was already dinged up. And he was then already you end up, had up. the Baylor game yeah. happen, and then against Okie State, you end up having him go up there and having to play with the lesser version. So just you see that he understands where it is, and it's almost as if we can still win without maximizing him, and it you gives you that second level. And it gives you that chance that you go like when we're talking about his numbers and not the respect that he maybe would get in context because like you look at VY back in the day like you had a couple people putting up big numbers right now it's the offensive proliferation and then you're in the big 12 so he doesn't get the respect and then now we're seeing maybe uh, 75% of his skill set only because Texas as a team has heightened itself that he maybe doesn't need to put up the numbers but it's almost better to entice the people to not respect him as much because now Texas fans that know it see that there is something else that can be tapped into and it's just well whenever you get to that hopefully it ends up paying off yeah and rod we don't even know what this offense looks like with the full complement because as colin johnson's been out yeah. that's when we've really seen the emergence of devin duvernay how they've been able to incorporate jake smith yeah. 
we've still got the tight end thing, which we talked about last week. At some point, do you have to make a decision on what personnel group? And now you don't have to. <laughs> right, <laughs> offense is clicking. <laughs> Once Colin Johnson gets back healthy, hell, that adds the dimension that we all going into the year figure. Well, that's the one thing you know you can count on. Yeah, Devin Duvernay is, is that guy now. And yeah. you know what? I would go even further and I agree with Matt. It's the age position overall because we yeah. saw Lil Jordan Humphrey do it last year. And honestly, Devin the top Duvernay will be there with Colin, but Duvernay's production is not going to go away. And the thing about Duvernay that makes him so interesting is that basically he is, and I, I, I talked to Jeff about this on the show, he's basically a third running back yeah. now. Yeah. With, and I went back and tracked the, uh, his targets. All right, so he's got 44 targets that I counted. Right? He's got, a, I think, 39 receptions, so an 88.6 catch rate. But... 40% of his targets are behind the line of scrimmage. Mm-hmm. That's basically a run play. That basically yeah. just That just entire first handoff. drive to open the year yeah. was negative 15 air yards, and you had five receptions for like 70 yards for him. Another 27% are within five yards of the line of scrimmage. So basically 67% of all of his targets are within five yards of the line of scrimmage or behind the line of scrimmage. Yep. And I even asked him in postgame <laughs> about, you know, did you guys going into the air, I mean, could you imagine the, the bubble screen would be your best short yardage play? Because right now, it probably it is. is. I yeah. agree with that 100%. It's him. He's got, I think he's got, I'll make sure I get it right. He's got 13 forced missed tackles. He's on pace for 39 forced missed tackles. Lou Jordan Humphrey had 26 last year. Yeah. <laughs> like, it, it, Run, Rundell Moore, who uh, the, the Purdue uh, young man was fantastic. Everybody loves him. He had 39 forced missed tackles last year. So that's what kind of presence he's like, you know, yeah. right now with the Texas short passing game. Debo Samuel had 21 forced missed tackles. I'm telling you, he's basically on pace, and he's a freak unlike anything you've ever breaking seen. Del Pitts tackles. Yeah, he's a little, he's a little, I call him a little shop of horrors, like nightmare matchup. Yep. He's got 261 yards after the catch. He's on pace with 783 yards after the catch. That was third among Power 5 wide receivers last year. Hmm. And he's got 131 yards after the catch on pace for 393 yards after the catch. Tony Pollard for the Cowboys had 272 yards after contact, excuse me, after contact, which is different than yards after the catch. After contact, on pace for 393. Like I said, Tony Pollard had 272 last year. Josh Jacobs of Bama had 493 yards after contact. He's already He's basically got running back numbers for yards after contact and, and forced missed tackles. But he's got the speed of a wide receiver and go deep, squat 600 pounds. I don't think I can give you an NFL comp to Devin Duvernay well, off sort, the top of my head. Uh, Christian Kirk, but Duvernay has a stronger lower body. Like it's, it's weird, though. But the way that Kingsbury's using Christian Kirk's the exact same way. If you he watch Arizona, him in a slot. Yeah, yeah, and he, I mean, it's the bubble screens and then even similar body type. But, but he puts I, Fitzgerald I would in the slot du- too. Their two, their two slot receivers are Fitzgerald and Kirk. And that's why I want yeah. Jake Smith and Duvernay. Because if you were to create yeah, another no. position, Duvernay has been so malleable that he's played every role in this offense somewhere. On both sides of you the field. You can keep Jake Smith yeah. in his well, unique role, which he's only learning and growing upon. And Duvernay, like if you want to compare it back to Shipley's record-breaking year through four games, Shipley, which was insane at the time, 36 receptions for 436, two TDs. Duvernay's at 39 for 377 and four TDs. And then if you look at just like, say, Third, he leads the nation in third down conversion reception. He's had a reception that's converted on third down ten times. He's caught the ball fourteen times on third, on down. third down, but ten then, of them the first down. Yeah, ten of them. Yeah. That conversion rate is insane. Yeah, 20, yeah I think I want to say fifty-five percent of the time they target. 
Devin DuVernay. It results in a first down or a touchdown. And then just targeting. Yeah, think about the top end of our <laughs> offense when Colin Johnson's healthy only to occupy more of the mind of the yeah. defense. And DuVernay then, I mean, you look at his broken tackles like you brought, brought up. It's just a perfect piece. And then why wouldn't you, like you said, he's like a running back. And running back, those yards after contact's very hard because you're stuck around yeah, linebackers. A lot and of people, yeah. D linemen, big guys. He's out there against DBs. Yeah. And then if they miss those tackles, he can bust it to the house. So that's why you can really eat up those yards after contact. Awesome. In the Oak State game, Texas had nine third down conversions. I think four of them were pass completions to Duvernay. Boom. That's crazy. Yeah, it is. That's pretty, it's pretty freaking remarkable. He's that's the kind of stuff we were seeing yeah. from Colin Johnson, Lil Jordan Humphrey last year, Rod. And, yep. I, and I think the staff deserves a lot of credit. Like you said, yes, you give Duvernay credit, but it's that H position because you look at last year. LJ. They did a really good job of taking Lil Jordan Humphrey and saying, okay, everybody talks about what he can't do, but what can he do? Great point. Okay, well, he's a former running back, so he knows how to work through traffic and get through the wash, plays mm-hmm. to him through contact, and – He's got good high-point ball skills. He can go get it down the field. So why are we going to throw him anything other than the occasional screen or something down the field 20 yards or more? They did. That's pretty much what his game was. Duvernay, like you said, 600-pound squat guy, what's he really good at? Is he Percy Harvin? No. (laughs) Does he have that kind of lateral ability? No. But what's he good at? When he can get the ball in his hand, stick a foot in the ground and get vertical, yep. he can run through arm tackles. tackles yep. And then if he gets past that initial tackle and somebody <laughs> tries to get an angle on him, now you got to talk about that 10-3 speed. And talking about Which, balls in his hands, he doesn't drop if, passes at all. If you're yeah. if you're on a field Zero with a bunch drop. of DBs from LSU and you're the fastest guy on the field, yeah, you can run a little bit, yeah. Um, which, yeah. he, which he was. And so it's just the way they've used that guy. They're two very different players. But they're getting tremendous production from both of them. And even Jake Smith is very different than Duvernay, at least the way they use him. Jake Smith, I want to say, has out of his um, his targets, he more has vertical. five targets that are 20 yards or more downfield. Three of them have been touchdowns. He yeah. also can <laughs> succeed, though, in the screen game because like one of his, cause the first one's a touchdown, the 17-yarder, that drive. But then the second half drive with Jake Smith in, it's a third in, like, I don't know, five or six, and they throw the screen. He gets yeah. to the outside, converts. It's to where they at least are confident in him to do everything within that role. It's just his skill set more vertical than it was Duvernay, yeah. who's compact and better for the screen game. I, I didn't think I would see – two receivers at Texas who could uh, understood and could run the bubble screen as well as Jordan Shipley and Quan Cosby. Hmm. Lil Jordan Humphrey was great last year. I think mm-hmm. of, the, of those four guys, Devin Duvernay might be the best guy we've seen do it. Yeah. No, yep. pretty, yeah. no I agree with that. He's pretty good at it. It's Really good. I, I just, I, I'm with Matt. I, I can't wait. And you brought up Colin Johnson. I can't wait till Colin Johnson comes back because, I mean, truth is when Colin, Colin Johnson's going to leave, he's a senior. Devin Duvernay's a senior. I do think this year you have a unique blend of wide-out threats. Yep. I don't think you'll have this next year. Next hmm. year it'll be a different, you know, it'll materialize differently. Yeah. Sort of like 08 with Quan and Shipley. Yeah, like it's, it's freaky this year, but you freaky. have like four guys that you can't really cover one-on-one. you got Colin Johnson. you got, you know, Devin DuVernay. There is Jake Smith. There is Brennan Eagles. And it's like, well, just pick one of those guys to cover one-on-one, which is why I still think we'll see that 10 personnel package at one point. Like I feel. Yeah. It just makes so much sense to me. And now we've talked about Duvernay and Jake Smith basically being running backs when you use them with the RPO game and you can like run the bubble screens with them really out in the flat behind the line of scrimmage. So to me, the numbers advance that Tom Herman always champions with the 11 personnel, you basically just you, you displace it from the inside to the outside. Yeah. You know I've got I mean? a, I like just had a light. more number. skilled guy. Yeah, yeah exactly. I just, just had a little light bulb go off. Think about this, and this is something that probably won't happen. I'm pretty sure it won't happen this year. Never say never. 
but this is something maybe think about for the spring. You know, B. John Robinson's coming in. That's right. And talk about a guy who's a high school senior, mm-hmm. Rod. I've never heard of this. I've heard of some robust yards per carry numbers. <laughs> He's averaging 23 yards a carry. That's crazy. Yeah. That's freaky. A carry. Like, yeah. that's not a. That's not me like, oh, no, you're wrong, Jeff. No, it's like 22.9 a carry. Yeah, that's freaky. I don't know. I don't, I've never heard of that before either. <laughs> so, you know Keonta Ingers back next year. Mm-hmm. You know. Well, just stay with me here. Roshan Johnson, that move might be permanent because yeah. I just think he's that good at running back. Bijan Robinson coming in, mm-hmm. Darian Brown getting healthy. I forgot about Darian. And Brown. if Danny Young stays with Colin Johnson yeah, and Devin Duvernay leaving, now do you look at Jordan Whittington and say, you know what, he's more valuable to us at H receiver now than he is a running back. I can see that. Yeah, I yeah I totally agree with that. I think I think ideally in the future, Tom Herman basically wants his H and running backs almost to be interchangeable yeah. depending on the personnel package, depending on what he's doing. I think ideally at one point he, want, he wants those guys to be Alvin Kamara. Christian McCaffrey. We like them in the backfield, motioning yeah. to the slide, coming from We've the slide heard. back into the backfield. Mm-hmm. Ideally, that's what he wants. He just, he's t- it's too young in the implementing implementation of the offense we, right We've now. heard that that's what that H position is, and we've yeah. seen it in places Tom Herman's Ohio been. Ohio State. But I think now that we're seeing it at Texas and seeing the guys on the roster and the guys that are coming in, you say, yeah, I mean, Bill Bijan Robinson could go be an H receiver. It's going to be almost coveted in terms of recruiting. If you're, I mean, if you're a player, you want to play that position. Beat your to role Texas. of a passing. Yeah, game. like you, I, like, hey man, I want to play that H position. Are y'all gonna play? I was hmm. how, how this going to play out in recruiting. It's funny. It used to be Roy Williams. Now yeah, you want the I little play H. I'm playing H now. I want to play no. I want to play H because that H is going to make you all your money. That's just yeah. going to get you all your accolades yep. and your, you know, your stats. And not get like, your head wrong. It's kind of like defensively when Muschamp was at Texas. Everybody wanted who's who's his, who's going to play Buck? that Buck line? Gonna play Buck? Yeah, exactly right. No, I'm with you. I, I, that's why I, I want to know that now. That's interesting though. It's a good point. Yeah, I mean, like I said, the the one the one receiver that doesn't get a lot of touches in this offense is the Z, the field side receiver. But like Brennan Eagles, what he's got like nine catches and five of them are touchdowns. Yeah, I, was say, I think he's so. cool with it right now. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. running into good. the end zone, throwing but the horns. Also, up. a testament to Sam's deep ball passing ability mm-hmm. because it wouldn't mean as much if Sam's not putting the ball on the money for those very few occasions where he has he's got that one on one zero coverage over mm-hmm. there and he beats that corner. So it's like I'm. I think it's Sam too. Also clean pocket, Sam. But he's get Sam's putting the ball on the money, man. On some of those deep balls. Oh, that ball was so perfect. It the was Eagles. Perfect. And the thing was, his Eagles. It was like he was so open. The ball was right there. He almost dropped it. Like he that went. Happens, it, man. It, it's just me. like oh, it oh, oh, and you, <laughs> thank God you he caught it, it into Eagles, his stomach and went. Eagles ten for two seventy six and four touchdowns. You know what I mean? Like it's like you got to be perfect when Sam throws those up there. And basically, Sam has been perfect. It's almost like like you know. I remember again, and I. You know, talk about my football days. I only played in high school, but you know, with with the fullback, you know, I had a coach that loved giving a full ball to a fullback, like in, in short yardage situations. Yeah, I saw somebody like, do. Man, the Chargers did it. Well, because it was it was one of those deals where it's like, hey, you got to every now and then you got to feed your dogs, man. He's working his tail off every now and then. You got to feed your dog a little bit. Brennan Eagle was just like that dog. You got to be like <laughs> that. One of the reasons that bubble screen works so well is because of his perimeter blocking. Like that field side receiver's got to be a really good perimeter blocker. So it's like, look, man. We're gonna feed you. We're we're gonna target you like once a game, but that's gonna be a deep shot, and you better make it count. No, no, he's one of the. Okay, he, go get back to your analogy about the dog. He's the dog that always gets scraps from the table, though. He yeah. doesn't get fed but once a day, <laughs> yeah. but he always gets the scraps from the dinner table. Gets for, a he chew gets, on the yeah, T-bone. He gets the big bone. He gets the, the he gets the meatloaf, the leftover meatloaf. He gets the good stuff, leftover yeah. taco meat. 
There yeah. you go. And, uh, yeah, so he gets the good stuff for the dollar. I agree doing that. Is that like my old lab when I'm at the dinner table last night eating a piece of pizza and she's like drooling on my leg? Like, hey, I know you're Just enough to get you coming back. Exactly. You're like, I know I ain't getting much, but All right, now go block the rest of the game. You might get one or two targets, but man, he's making them count, though. He's making them count, though. No doubt. You're averaging 28 yards a catch. You got four touchdowns. I know it's, I would say that's really, I would give Tom Herman his offense credit, too, Tim Beck and all them and Sam as well, they are doing a really good job. And I know the H gobbles up a lot of the production, but if Colin Johnson wouldn't hurt, something tells me a little bit of that would probably go to Colin Johnson. Yeah. They, they're dividing it up pretty nicely. Even with Keontae Ingram and mm-hmm. you know, Rashawn Johnson, like it's divided up pretty nice. I would say the tight end position probably isn't getting as much love, but they had the flea flicker with the touchdown this past week. Yeah, fed so him they, too, gave so, him his So bone. they make sure as a defensive mind, you better come in. you got a game plan. You cannot just kind of leave somebody out of the game nope. plan and go, oh, that guy ain't going to do nothing. He's not going to hurt us. Well, Brandon Eagles, yeah, those three or four times he's get it, he may be he made the most devastating one of them all. And both of them were yeah. touchdowns on the backside of the offense. You yeah, know? like you that's know where I mean? you're left. So yeah, I, I like that part of it too. Like it's I, yeah, you got to focus on Duvernay, but hey man, you you can lose track of guys and they can beat you here on this. You offense like that feature dog analogy? I love yeah. that feature dog analogy. Yeah. Damn, so in man. our offense, we ran a wing T. So basically, we had like the fullback was like an eye back, it was like the Nebraska stuff, like it was basically <laughs> eye back. So the tailback was technically like the fullback, and they'd be like tailback dive, like why are we running a tailback? Dogs. Like, hey, you got to feed your dogs. Tailback got to take care of that tailback. The other night there was All some right. running right into a brick wall. Most Air of the Force time. football. Well, usually was on. tailback dog goes right behind me, so yeah, there ain't that much surge going I, that way. It's usually <laughs> it a stalemate. It, I was literally watching Air Force for like one play, and it looked like I was watching like '40s football. Like <laughs> there was a skinny wide receiver, his legs were gangly, and he was getting the, the option pitch and running gung ho into the line. <laughs> like it was Bucky great. Back yes, in the day. He, <laughs> He was the I linebacker. Or the, I was got offers. They throw Buggy out there. Play yeah. Bucky, you line it up at wide receiver in a three-point stand. Yes. And then come in around. <laughs> oh, man. I love it. Didn't That's wait. Weird. Didn't uh, it, oh, <laughs> didn't make fun of Bucky's three-point stands, right? Isn't that how you guys got in a back and forth with the rant? Where that is how Bucky and you, I got into it. You threatened it. to call him an Uncle Tom when I you did. owned him on I the field. I threatened to uh, the, the throat chop an old man, which I am, I am still jealous. I actually am still I'm ashamed of that. That's not cool. <laughs> yeah, that did that make, it over, cool. that make it over <laughs> from the old system, Matt? <laughs> uh, no, I have that at the that house was, somewhere. That was shameful. Old, we, we relived that in podcast glory, so Threaten it's always the, yeah. in former Longhorn Don't threaten senior citizens, people. If you decided to stick that in at the end of this show, I wouldn't be – Opposed. I wouldn't be opposed to. It's a bye week. Like people need to get fired up. Let Rod hear about you know <laughs> delivering the wind, wind, the wind pipe, pipe chop. chop. Yeah, chop. the wind pipe chop, which actually was a move. Talk to me. <laughs> but actually, yeah, you shouldn't do wind pipe chops. You can hurt, really hurt somebody. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Da- and it, I believe your your explanation of it, Rod, was damn near collapse your windpipe. I can- <laughs> damn near. <laughs> Well, yeah. I'm not trying to kill you. I'm just trying to get you yeah. to, yeah, to not run the route. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to get a good bump. It's a good jam. <laughs> it's a good jam. You just got to get in hey, there. I, with I, that I, I actually show. don't think it's illegal. Like, no, I really it I don't isn't. think it's illegal. Because it's not hands to the face. Yeah. It's, it's, a it's literally <laughs> what's allowed below hands to I know, the face. I know, but that's back when I was, I, I was not that kind of player of most you of my career. You were scrapping trying to stay In an alive. Oklahoma game or two, I might have windpipe chopped an Oklahoma receiver. It's very possible. Go watch so. a replay and you see one OU guy on the ground. Yeah. 
So, <laughs> Kurt, Curtis Fagan, Brandon Jones, if one of you guys happens to be listening to this, Rod apologizes for 2001 or two where you might have got a hey, hand, of the, hand of the throat. Hey, Tarlando may need to teach the windpipe chop coming yeah. up this game. You might need it. Bring that full circle. Hey, before, before we get out of here, I do want you to talk about that, though. Jalen, you with a dislocated shoulder. I know you've talked yeah. about your shoulder issues um, throughout the years. Yeah, just real quick. I mean, I've had, obviously, three dislocated shoulders. There are degrees of it, of a dislocated shoulder. His right now is probably one of the worst, uh, so that's why they're going to give it time to heal. It will not heal completely. He'll probably have to have surgery once the season's done. That will be recommended to tighten it up so that it heals completely. But if you give it two weeks, it'll it'll get stable enough where right now he probably can't even do bump and run coverage without it slipping out of socket. Hell, mine would slip out while I was sleeping. Like, it would be that, Ugh. you know what I mean, sensitive. And so you want to get to what with stable. You get to you know two or three weeks, and it starts to stabilize a little bit. Then they'll put a brace on a harness on it, and you get to the point where you can actually do some football stuff, maybe tackling, maybe playing bump and run with it. But it's going to be pain tolerance once it gets stable because it will not heal for the rest of the season. Gotcha. That's just a shoulder. Quentin Jammer had the same thing too, right? Matter of fact, yeah. Remember he had to have his worked mm. on because it kept slipping. He would No, it would just slip out. He would hit somebody and knock it out of socket mm. every time. I'd be like, dude, you got to quit hitting people like that. Like your shoulder is – it's out it's like it's dislocated. He didn't care. Can I can I tell my you my name is Jammer? Can I yeah, tell yeah. You, <laughs> my name is Jammer. Can I tell you a quick story? I am this, this is a true story. Uh, and Jim. <laughs> I was at uh I was at I went to Max Camp when I was going into my sophomore year hmm. and we're doing online D line one on one drills and I got tangled up with somebody and fell on my shoulder and it hmm. popped out. Oh yeah. And it was really weird, like kind of like Rod, you know kind of when it pops out and you're kind of it goes back in, ooh, and you kind of roll over, and it's like... Oh, no, I, I can feel it even It's now. almost like that blackout feeling. Well, imagine it coming to and rolling over and looking up, and Mac Brown standing over. He's like, son, you okay? <laughs> and that's what happened to me. So the next day, son, so I got to go get x-rayed and all that stuff. So the next day, um, Mac's trying to make me feel better about it. He's like, don't worry. He's like, Quentin Jammer, same thing happens to him all the time. <laughs> mm, there you go. And I think that 99 season, I think that was the year Jam had to have surgery early yep. in the season because the did. shoulder thing kept yeah, popping up. Yeah, it came out. out. It came, so I, I remember my sentiment at the time was like, that's cool, Mac, but Quentin Jammer and I have nothing in common other than apparently a bad shoulder. <laughs> He's repairing here so he can go make millions in the NFL. Jeff's yes. just repairing here so he can do chores around the house. Yeah. <laughs> There's a difference. So I can <laughs> go back to my high school team hey, and kind of get thrown to the wolves as a sophomore. Hey, man, that's what I'm saying. Those, hey, those shoulder injuries, they hurt like hell, though. So you know. Like, they hurt like hell, man. Imagine yeah. I didn't have near as bad as you did, Rob, but there's, and it's Ooh. not the weather impacts me, but if I sleep on it wrong, it's like feels like Ooh. it's just. Oh, yeah. I can't even throw a football these days. I got to throw, like, Rich Gannon. <laughs> Side on. Man, I threw a, no rotator cuff. I threw a tennis ball for my dog this summer and, like, went Ooh. too far over the top. Oh. Yeah. Ooh, did it slip out? No, it yeah. just it like yeah. I need to go sit down on the couch for a minute and mm. gather, <laughs> gather myself a little That's called bit. being old. That's all that is. Yeah. yeah. Nah, I've done that before. All right. Uh, we've got time to heal up. Texas has time to heal up because Longhorns are on a bye week, so no picks, no predictions this week. Uh, although you guys will watch some college football. Anything, you guys? I know Tech and Oklahoma's this week. West Virginia's oh, yeah. off this week, so yeah. you don't even get to watch the I'll next probably opponent. probably watch Oklahoma. I haven't watched uh, much of them. Oak State, K-State's this weekend. That might be one to take a look at. K-State's playing better football than people think. I'm going to watch K-State. I yeah. gotta figure out what's happening because they're playing good football, right? Uh, yeah, Skylar Thompson. Yeah, they've got that. offensively. They got to figure yeah, out. Some... If you don't watch K-State, Rod, watch their offensive line. Their offensive yeah. line is really good. Yeah, I'm yeah, gonna I watch them play actually. Mississippi State that opening week. Yeah, the Big Twelve is better than we thought. I think we can all say that confidently. Like we thought it would. It's going to be more competitive. At the bottom of it than we thought. You know, Agreed. another and actually yeah. the the other interesting game too. Baylor Iowa State's this weekend. 
Yeah, and Baylor's playing good football. Well, they're not playing anybody. But, yeah. Baylor, to me, is kind of where Texas was last year. Like, they got up 21-3 on Rice and then just took their foot off the gas and then realized, oh, man, oh. Rice, is, it's <laughs> yeah, an eight-point yeah. game, and they got the ball. Rice is not going to lay down? Damn. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that. That, and, and Iowa State, we've seen they probably should have beat Iowa, and then, man, did they take out their frustration They missed. They missed Akeem Butler. I watched it. They missed Butler, and they missed David Montgomery. They missed those tra- – those are transcendent players for Iowa State. They don't yeah. replace guys like that. You know That's what, what we talked about. And that's why I didn't understand yeah. all the love for Iowa State. Like, Matt Campbell's a good coach. I think he's good, but – He's not a miracle. Worker. Look, at Texas, you can <laughs> replace guys like that. At Oklahoma, you can replace guys like that. At Iowa State, it ain't it's like just – like once every five years. Those at, guys yeah. Run. You're talking <laughs> yeah. about two generational guys yeah. that just happen to be in your program at the same, at the same time. time. And while With I'm Perth, watching yeah. the NFL, like you're seeing David Montgomery, oh, A.J. Klein, the linebacker oh, yeah. that was there. He was, I think, on the Saints, and then it was – also, I think Lazard made a roster, so there's yeah, a Bubba got hurt. If he if not, he'd probably be playing with Arizona right now too. Speak, hey, real quick, speaking of NFL roster, we praise Charles Amenahu. Yeah, congratulations, little Jordan Humphrey getting that's right. Got signed off up. the practice squad. Well, he yep. was active, active, yeah, was active, active and game. played. Yeah, and played for the. I'm not surprised by that. I think we all said he's going to make a roster, and at one point he's going to get to play. They need all the tools they need there in yeah. the short passing well, game. And the he big slot perfect. that people are falling in love with now, he's perfect for. Well, it. and, and he's if, perfect if there's a for Bridgewater Kaya that can't stretch the field. Amen. If there's one, if there's one coach in the NFL that I, I trust to take kind of one of those misfit toys and figure, out, okay, what can this guy do for I me? Agree. and How can I maximize it? Exactly. It's probably Sean Payton. No well, doubt. <laughs> and then before we wrap up the college stuff, since uh, it's worth mentioning, if y'all didn't pay attention to the game last week, the UCLA Washington State. Did y'all see that? This? Is where that's the, crazy, man. It was the most absurd thing that's ever. Absurd. I woke up and could not believe in regulation sixty-seven, sixty-three, but. With three minutes and 28 seconds left in the third quarter, we're talking a quarter and three minutes, UCLA scores 50 points. Yeah, that's 50 points. They were down 49 to 17. Yeah. With 328 left yeah. in the third. Maybe things And are then they to... outscore them 50 to 14. And you outscored an air raid team, too. That, yes. that, that scores. Like, Leach <laughs> versus Kelly, it just hyper football. Yeah. It was like you were watching a Madden game had came to real life. All the things that kids did growing up that you would say, well, that can't happen in real football. It happened in real Chip football. Chip Kelly versus Mike Leach. Chip and then, Kelly's been holding back, Rob. That's what it was. He just, I he hope so, wanna, he damn it. break it out. Yeah, he maybe, man. He, he knows how to coach that. offense. Well, and maybe the kids are just starting to get it. It is a system that you got to pick up, and he had, didn't have recruits in it. He liked and all that. So maybe, I don't know. We'll see. I still think he's mailed in and is just collecting He probably is. He'll probably end up being OC well, for somebody. He likes coaching offense, and if you're going to let him be a head coach, well, he's going to keep saying his, yes. It's just everything that he that was progressive for him and that was pioneering for him it's now standard. the world has caught up with. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's just he doesn't have that edge anymore. While you're on that part, point, that's part of exact- me want, Part of me wants to say Chip Kelly's Charlie Weiss with a better track record. <laughs> I think he's. I think he's a better football. Well, way okay, better. Nah, I think he's I a think better he's football way, mind yeah, than, yeah. than Charlie Weiss. But I, you know, I could be wrong. And, but yeah, if the, we're on that same trajectory topic, is, yeah. if you look at the SEC and what's happening to them, sort of the way we were talking about with Chip Kelly, how everybody's caught up in doing those type of things. Yeah, SEC isn't doing it, and you're having a lot of Wyoming's beating. Missouri's or Georgia State, who lost to Texas State but beat Tennessee, yeah. which is just crazy. That's crazy. You had San Jose State go in and win at Arkansas this past weekend. Then you had what we were talking about, K State going in and mm-hmm. beating Mississippi State, but Cal going in and beating Ole Miss. Like all of these, you go across that whole conference, they've all had one of those really bad losses. Uh, did, yeah. you, did you mention San Jose State beating Arkansas? Yeah. yeah. That's crazy. 
I'm sorry, I was distracted. Like Trey Ellings in the other studio, and it's got like some breathing machine that was staring at me. So, <laughs> I kind of almost blacked out for a second. So I apologize. I didn't know you mentioned the Arkansas. Uh, I've seen yeah. that machine. It is creepy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, there was something else I was going to mention. Oh, Matt, real quick before we get out to on our way out, you mentioned Texas State beating Georgia State. Do you know who kicked the winning field goal for Texas State in that I game? Have no clue. Oh. Former Texas kicker Josh Rowland. Yes. Yes. Oh, yeah. Thanks for down there. Way to go. And we should shout out to Shane Bouchel, too. Because SMU beating, uh, beating TCU. I Going on the road beating TCU. Shout out to Shane Bouchel. By the way. He plays Charlie, doesn't he, this week? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that I will watch. Oh, that I have to watch. It's like I watched Mac Brown yeah. versus Muschamp and yeah. Mac versus Manny. And then, yes, oh, this is awesome. I it's an it. alternate universe. Yeah. Revenge games. I'm definitely going to watch about that this. One. That's going to be great. If SMU goes down there and puts it on oh. South Florida. Yeah, who are we rooting for? Would Shane game? get Charlie fired? Shane. Is that the end for Charlie? Like, if SMU goes and puts it on him? You mean Shane Bouchel would put the nail in the coffin of Charlie Strong? Yeah. That would be awesome. It's like Mac did to Manny two games in. He's 0 2. Strangely, strangely yeah, that's poetic. True. But isn't Mac struggling now, too, right? Yeah, Probably. North Carolina just lost <laughs> Probably. <laughs> By the way, love, I love the SMU. Oh, the SMU, they're rebranding themselves with Dallas. Like Dallas uniforms. And hey, you know the reason they're doing that, in my opinion, it's because of CDC. Because Chris Del Conte successfully branded TCU, TCU to be Fort Worth School, and that's their town or whatever. And they're the Metroplexes, too. It basically, yeah. And the SMU was like, damn, well, what's our town then? They were like, well, you're not Dallas. That's the Cowboys. And it was like, well, yeah, we are. And I, like that, now they're yeah, competing. they're Arlington. They're Irving. trying. Exactly, Irving. yeah. That, so that's because of CDC. I mean, that's how successful he was in making TCU the Dallas's university. I heard something brilliant from Sonny Dykes. He was doing an interview on the ticket in Dallas. And he said, look, if you're an Aggie fan or a Texas fan or Texas grad or Baylor grad and we're not your favorite team, that's fine. Let us be your second favorite team. Yeah. He's cool with that. Being the side piece. Hell, mm-hmm. yeah. I agree with that. Yeah, I was like, that's you think you're short selling your program, but no, that's actually for SMU. It's a brilliant. It is a brilliant. Say, hey, as long as you're coming <laughs> yeah. out to watch, us, we don't care. We don't care where your degree's from or who you root for. And the so only other time is. they were competing, Dallas, with, you want Dallas people to come and watch. It. And they had to cheat to compete with the A and M in that. It's Texas SMU's back in best the day. start mm-hmm. post death penalty. Is it really? Yeah. Oh wow! Eighty four was the last time they were four zero. Where Shane Texas Buccelli. quarterbacks transfer to? Gilbert went there. He's, <laughs> I mean, Gilbert might be the Browns quarterback at some point. It's hey, crazy watching that. Dude, crazy things happen. Kyle Allen starting games. I mean, oh, some crazy things happen. There in the are twenty three right quarterbacks from the Big Twelve or the state of Texas in the NFL on nineteen teams right now. It's crazy. That's a great I wrote them all stat. out. Twenty three on nineteen. I'll give you the paper. It's That's insane. Awesome. Great stat. And Texas finally has one who you think can get there. After all uh, this yeah. time. After yeah, all the this only time, one on Texas like, yeah. list. This guy's is got Cole. a chance. Colden Garrett's on the list. Introducing the Two Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two Way for yourself at NewBalance.com. All right, Matt, thanks for everything, man. You're more than welcome. Rod B., appreciate the time and the knowledge. Anytime, brother. Anytime. For Matt, for Rod, for Travis, the best damn videographer in the podcast game. For everybody at the Austin Radio Network and the Horn, 1049-1019-AM1260, streaming on the Horn app and at hornfm.com, where you can get Rod on the Rodcast each and every weekday from 1 to 3. Shameless plug. You can also get Longhorn Blitz on the Horns Tuesday nights at 7 o'clock. Don't forget to find this podcast anywhere you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher. Don't forget to like us and leave us a review. Five stars would be preferable, but any kind of feedback you guys give is appreciated. And thanks to Matt, you can get our classic interviews and classic shows on the Longhorn Blitz SoundCloud page. 
For the Horn family, for the Horns 24-7 family, I am Jeff Howe. Thank you so much for downloading and listening, and we will catch you again on the next episode. You've been listening to Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Remember, for the latest Longhorn news 24-7, visit Horns247.com.